Hey, I changed my mic. Does this sound better? Uh, keep talking. Yeah, uh, I, I just totally took out the other mic, and I'm just using something totally different to see if that would help. I don't know. I thought you were fine a moment ago. I think it's – I don't think it's better, honestly. Okay. If you want to go back to the other one, because it was sounding good there. Okay. How's that? I mean, I hope that one's better. I, I'm sorry to be causing any kind of issue here. You're fucking up all over the place, Quentin. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just an, you're an eternal fuck up. I get that. <laughs> this feels good. I feel right at home. God damn it. <laughs> you know what you're expecting there, me to coddle you? No, never. <laughs> it's okay, Quentin. You sound like shit. It's all right, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> just happy to be here. No, I'm just fucking with you. Um, you're okay right now. I just don't. I don't want to get started and then have to like stop. <laughs> oh, I understand completely. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, because we'll get in a groove and then yeah, then Quentin fucked up our groove. Stella yeah. ain't getting shit back with Quentin around. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh. Episode four hundred fifty-six. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. I'm still pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Oh my God, it's like in unison. It's like, oh, it's so weird. I'm not used to this, man. I'm used to like fucking Jake straggles. <laughs> Straggling Jake. Down. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you're just a natch at this, man. It's weird. I'm weird. I'm not, it's weird. It's weirding me out. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? I'm doing pretty good, dude. This is. You know, for 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 a Monday, not too shabby of a day, really. And excited yeah. to chat with you all tonight about about especially some of the stuff on Good Pop, Bad Pop tonight. I'm stoked. Yeah, it's our Bear Necessities episode. <laughs> yeah, it sure oh. is. Cocaine Bear and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So yeah, call it the Bear. Ne- I, uh, it took me all night to figure that one out, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, where's that at on the family feud board? Way down there. Yeah, exactly. Do ah, you read? Uh, you read Kevin Smith's latest post? He posted like four hours ago. No, I've not been on social media this afternoon. I, what, I, what's up? I, I just read it before we got on here. Uh, five. I think it's like the five year anniversary of his heart attack. You know. Oh my God, the time flies by, dude. Yeah. He's really got his shit together after that, too. He's a real inspiration. Yeah, vegan. He's down to 180. Anyway, I didn't know this. 
he quit smoking weed. He's done. Really? How long ago did he do that? Five weeks ago. He said, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. He's done smoking weed. Kevin Smith is done with weed. Like, he picked that shit up filming that Zach and Mary make a porno with Rogan, yeah. Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan got him, like, smoking the weed and shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I felt like poor Kevin was, like, in this after-school special where all the cool kids are offering him weed, and then he can't turn it down. And then <laughs> next right. thing you know, he's, like, the spokesperson for weed. What's fucked up is, like, he's got his own, like, like uh, doesn't he have his own, like, doesn't he sell his own cannabis and shit? I'm pretty sure he's got his own line of stuff. That, yeah, he's got some yeah, kind of, like, his own line. But like it is curious because he got his start and really rose to fame with these, like, stoner comedies. But he's always the first to say that I wrote these stoner comedies from not being a stoner. Yeah. I'm interested to see, like, what he's going to be able to come up with now that he's fucking, you know, stone cold sober. Same. Because, you know, there's a lot of people who are highly critical of, of his films like Tusk and Yoga Hosers that are saying, you know, hey, maybe put the weed down and get back to writing good stuff. Well, yeah. Let's see how accurate those online trolls saying that shit really were. Yeah. Because if this is his thing, I mean, I think that just see <laughs> yoga hosers too, <laughs> dude, that, that, I, both of those movies I referenced, by the way, I've never seen, and I have uh, no interest in seeing, I I've, love Kevin Smith yeah. and I love the majority of his movies, but those ones I was just like, ah, I'm not on board from the start. Um, but I am really interested to see what he's going to do from this point, because this is a dude of solid will mm -hmm. where I know he's, he would probably laugh hearing somebody say that he's a person that has a lot of willpower, but to do what he's done so far, I mean, I've had points in my life where I've been fit. I've had points in my life where I've been overweight and it's hard to do that. And he's really stuck to it, man. He's, he's, he's led a very healthy life ever since his heart attack. He was already on a trail to get there yeah. when it happened. But then afterwards, like he's really stuck to it. And so if he wants to put weed down and, and move forward and he's going to say, Hey, this is going to be just fine doing without it. Then I think he can do it. And I'm excited to see what his next offering is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, and too. Yeah, man. I, I it, you know, it takes uh, like a five, five year anniversary of having a heart attack. That heart attack woke him the fuck up. Like, man, you're not taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And no, it's good for him. Good for him. We are not alone, Joe. Ha. <laughs> we are we are we are haunted by the spirits of, <laughs> of angry past listeners. This episode, Joe. <laughs> No, we've what got a way to describe them. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got. Hey, we've got John Counts. Welcome back, John. Hey, Brian. Knock, knock. Who's there? Lettuce. Lettuce who? Lettuce fuck some shit up, bro. Uh <laughs> 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 that's the. You know what, Joe? That's Joe. That's the best one we've ever had. That's the best intro <laughs> for a guest we've ever had. I, I'm not gonna lie. At the beginning of it, I was like, "Wow, Brian's entertaining this." But yeah. Rock solid ending, John. That was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I not entertain that? Do you think that I'm I can't I'm the guy that can't play along with little games and shit? I don't know. I do recall you being the guy that immediately cut off Wayne when he was like Hurr, That was Hurr, asinine. Hurr. That was asinine. That was just that that needed to stop. I saw where that was going. We were we that yeah. That never not be funny to me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that needed to stop. That was <laughs> that was like a dog taking a piss on the carpet and me rubbing its face in it. Like no, never again. No. What John was Albert? No, clever knock knock jokes. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like the, the knock. That was that was fun. That was fun. We all we also have uh, Dre Moore from Podcast Championship Wrestling. Welcome, Dre. Yo, what it do? Thanks for having me. I know knock knock joke from Dre, huh? No, nope, no, I ain't got nothing to talk about. Can't follow that? Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should see. That's what I should have done. I should have started with Dre. And then went to John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, start here, then work up. I, f- I fucked that up. <laughs> anyway, we've got I uh, got to go over some winners for uh, two weeks of contests, and so the the winners that we're going to be talking about for it's yeah it's digital codes, digital codes for Little Dixie. That's the uh, Frank Grillo movie. So I've got five winners, and I'm going to be going over right now. And the first winner is Alfredo Tostado. Number two, Steve Collins. Joe, I feel like I've made a Phil Collins joke in the past about Steve. (laughs) That does seem like that'd be the obvious way to go, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, William Dixon. William Dixon, you win a uh, digital copy of... uh, What's that movie called? <laughs> Little Dixie. <laughs> Andrew Kane. Andrew Kane. It's spelled with a K, Joe. Andrew Kane. Nice. Wasn't Kane the villain in RoboCop 2? Oh, it's been way too oh, long. Joe. Yeah, that aliens. One that you can rip on me to watch. Aliens, RoboCop 2. We get it, Joe. God <laughs> damn it. We get it. I haven't seen that one since 1990. Ah, shut up, Joe. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I think it was Kane. Nobody else is chiming in. Nobody else fucking knows either. <laughs> yeah, nobody else you. wants to show up for the beating. Yeah, no, shit. Everybody else is like, oh, no, I just watched that last week, dude. I just chill out, man. <laughs> it's I mean, Kane. You can't see me, but I'm nodding. You yeah. know, it's only. It's Kane. It's definitely Kane. Uh, and, and the final winner is Rob Forrest. Congratulations, you guys win digital copies of uh, Little Dixie with Frank Grillo. Uh, and then we've also got significant other winners, and these are digital codes, five digital codes for significant other with Jake Lacey. I'm a big Jake Lacey fan. I like Jake Lacey. Oh, he was rad in this one, too. First winner, Nicholas Santones. Nicholas Santones, number two, Andrew Kane. It wasn't Kane the bad guy in Robocop 2? <laughs> nobody's fact word for it nobody's fact checking me tammy hatfield tammy hatfield this is where jake would give me the obligatory mccoy joke that would just go over like gangbusters <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a big fan of her neighbors the mccoys yeah <laughs> Whoa. oh please let's not use any highbrow comedy <laughs> uh, I love you, Jake. Ryan Bradshaw. Ryan Bradshaw. And the final winner is Alfredo Tostado. So you guys all win digital copies of Significant Other. Yeah, next week. I guess I could offer it tonight, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to offer the contest tonight. I'm going to wait until next week. Next week, I've got five physical copies of Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. In devotion. Oh shit, that's exciting. I'm gonna be throwing that contest out there. And uh yeah, we'll go over that next week. I'm just giving you a little tease, tickling the clit a little bit, you know what I mean? A little bit of foreplay, a little bit of foreplay action before next week. 
You know, <laughs> you know? that's what I like to do, Joe. I like to I like to build it up before we get to the climax. You know yeah, what I mean? Like a true gentleman should. Like a tr- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just I don't dive right in, just start plowing. You know? <laughs> no, that, that's a really aggressive hello. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, I like to you know I like to tickle the clit a little bit. I like to play with a little bit of nip. You know, <laughs> a bit of nip. <laughs> <laughs> Tease the nip. Maybe, maybe, maybe have dinner at the Y. Yeah, your, dinner at the Y. Wet my whistle a little bit, you know. Anyway, what are we doing here? Jesus Christ! All right, iTunes reviews, Joe. We've got them. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Not uh, yeah. We're we're. I think we're about twenty four away. Keep them coming, you sons of fucks. Keep yeah, on writing. Listeners these... are coming through so far. Keep them coming. Yeah, keep them coming. Here we go. The rating system. That's a rating system bumper. Christ. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's one star Oh, we've got a we got an iTunes review here. It's a five star from Mr. Pedro Villa Gomez. It's titled "Keep It Going." I've been listening since your review of Endgame, and it was so satisfying and fun that I stuck around. Keep it going, guys, because your entertainment is one of a kind. Love the addition of Joe. P.S. I was on the Family Feud pod. LOL. That was from Pe- yeah. Remember Pedro. <laughs> Yeah, Pedro was great. <laughs> Pedro was a good dude. Yeah. Thank you, Pedro, for the five star. Appreciate it. Yeah. He was on the uh, Family Feud Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, probably recorded the weirdest fucking episode we've ever done on Patreon <laughs> yesterday, Joe. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. We, I, I don't know if we've ever gotten that fucking wild <laughs> and raunchy on the Patreon, but there we go. That's your selling point, people. Yeah. Yeah. Join Patreon. Six bucks a month. All right, let's see here. Oh, uh, this next one comes from PetriCon, and this is actually from uh, our buddy Connor over at Cinefied.com, and it's titled The Best Pop Culture Podcast with Some Killer Leftovers. It's a five-star. goes on to say Pop Culture Leftovers is the – and I like he does his review like he's re- – he does our a review of our show like he's reviewing a movie, Joe. That's how seriously he fucking took this, man. <laughs> It's just in his blood. It's, it's like in he's his reviewing blood. something. He's fucking reviewing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to review it like it's on my goddamn site. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, chill out, Ebert. <laughs> Pop Culture Leftovers is the definitive podcast for film and television lovers that don't mind a little crude humor with their news and reviews. After a shocking warning that will be sure to turn away those who aren't prepared for the wild ride ahead, the show instantly attracts those listening with an undeniably catchy theme song. 
sitting at one to four hour runtime per episode. This weekly series, along with incredible bonus and Patreon episodes, will be your key entertainment on your daily commute. Once you get locked into the conversation to the point of realizing you're speaking to yourself alone in the car, you know this isn't just any kind of podcast. This is a community, a fellowship, or in better terms, a family. <laughs> Settle down there, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Take some time out of your week and give pop culture leftovers a chance. Thank you, Connor. Yeah, that is a beautiful review. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, check out Cinefied.com and read his reviews. Man, he was at like a a Critics Awards ceremony. I have to look, but he, man, he got his picture taken with some like big time celebrities: uh, Jenny Slate, Brendan Fraser. Who was the other one? Oh, oh, that's incredible. Dude from fucking everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, what's his name? We Qu- What's his name? Hi, Quan Jin. That, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Boom, John coming in clutch. Yeah. I- knock, knock. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Quan Jin. Quan <laughs> Jin who? Quan, I'm running out of gin. I'm trying to get drunk over here. Yes. I don't know. That was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm, actually, you know, it's tough to follow John's knock. It is at the beginning. Yeah, man. You know. Um, oh, thank you, Connor. Appreciate it. What do we got here? You want me to read the one star we got, Joe? Oh, we got a one star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear. Let's hear what Mister One Star had to say. It's from Go Tribe Zero Twenty Eight. And it's titled Leftovers for a Reason. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, everything is fine. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. He's praising your skills as a producer. (laughs) Good audio. Coherent. Coherent coast. So, yeah, Joe, we're we're coherent. (laughs) There you go. But repeatedly... Making the same points again and again, possibly to stretch out a show, does not make for good content. Will not be returning. What? It's uh, I, 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 I. At first, I was confused on this one, and then I realized that the this this motherfucker. It's his first episode. And he comes and he listens to the Quantum Mania reaction episode, where we're trying not to spoil things, but I'm trying to say things in a way to where people can understand, but I'm not spoiling it. So I guess it's just like, here's the thing. If I would have came on the episode and been like, oh, my God, Marvel, I love you and suck the quantum mania cock of that fucking film. If I would have double fisted Ant-Man and the Wasp and just started blowing that fucking movie, dude would have no fucking problem. I guarantee it's just the just like sheer anger that we didn't like that we both didn't like the movie as much as some of the other people might might have liked it i think that's what it comes down to i don't know honestly i don't give a fuck he sounds like he's probably one of those people who just makes like one sentence comments on the internet and expects everybody to understand what he's saying off one (laughs) sentence let's see you drag your little mangy carcass up here and try to fill out something to explain what's going on without repeating Uh, yourself over and again without spoiling something this motherfucker, you only fucking hear from this motherfucker when he doesn't like something. Check this out. You can click on their name. This guy hasn't rated anything over a fucking three star. So oh, it's not like he's oh, even wow. he's not even going to the podcast that he does enjoy if he enjoys any of them. 
uh, and not leaving them a review. Uh, here's a three star for it. Doesn't tell you that it, if I could hear it, it's a three star. Okay, listen to Karen over here. Um, I have no hearing issues and I can't hear this podcast except in my car with the volume turned almost all the way up. It's an issue that needs addressed. <laughs> here we go. Here's another one. It's a three star. For, a, for another podcast, and it's titled Mid Picture. The show is well-produced, the hosts are well-spoken, and rarely do you not get regular content. The regular hosts are self-righteous film snobs. Rarely will you find an episode where at some point the discussion doesn't come off as bitterness towards Marvel. There, boom! Boom! Was I right or was I not fucking right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. That's exactly what, what it is. That's a, And I, you know what? It's like, I, I fucking... I see... I can't click on this shit when I'm on my phone, but I can click on their names when I pull it up on my computer. So I had not read this motherfucker's mm-hmm. other reviews, and I wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. Bitterness towards Marvel. That's exactly why we got the fucking one star. Mm-hmm. Unfucking believable. You fucking pusshole. He was, oh, no kidding. For, he was looking for confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that what's his uh, can't log in. This is a five star. Can't log in. Can't get support. Pretty consistent with most apps. He's oh, so he's bitching about an app now. <laughs> in his review, <laughs> it's a review of an app. I think. Oh, okay, I got you, Jesus. Yeah. What? A, yeah, no, he just sounds like a real miserable person, or he thinks that he's like Mister Podcast Authority. Like he's going to say what the best ones are, and he rates on mm-hmm. a really fucking rough scale because he knows what's up, man. Yeah. Yep, thinks he's <laughs> yeah, doing people. Him. Thinks he's doing people a favor with his criticisms, and probably ain't never produced a piece of content. Nothing, himself. nothing. But talk, I talking to this motherfucker. You're falling asleep within five fucking seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, so yeah. Oh my. Yeah. I, that, oh my. I knew it, Joe. I knew it had to do something with like the fact that we didn't suck off Ant Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he probably seems like the sort of person who loves Skinnamarink. Fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next one, uh, five star from Trevor from Mississippi. It's uh, titled "How Podcasting Should Be Done!" Exclamation point. Uh, yes, it should be three exclamation points for listeners that have been around for a while. Oh, uh, did he only put two? Just one. Just one? Just one. Oh, God. Yeah, hasn't been That's li- like he's not even excited at all. I know. I've been listening for quite some time around the release of Avengers Age of Ultron. Wow, that's going way back. Yeah, it is. Holy shit. Yeah, around the release of Avengers Age of Ultron, I began looking for people who share my love for all things pop culture, and I truly found it in this podcast the hosts are absolutely amazing they're very knowledgeable and studied when it comes to anything to do with tv and movies brian is hilarious and always knows how to keep you interested in the topic of discussion i find myself laughing out loud at this guy several times during each episode because of his dark crude humor is always perfectly timed (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I I don't get that enough, Joe. I really don't. I don't get I don't get the props when it comes to the when it comes to the jokey stuff. I appreciate yeah, no, that. No, I I agree, dude. I agree. Mm. I get the. Uh, there's a few people out there that give me the props. I'll uh, I'll shout out Chris Lowe from Volk. He always makes me feel good when I talk to him. That's why I love Chris. It's like I just if I had like a if I if like I had like a little. Uh, you know, guardian angel that was like looking out for me. It's it's Chris from Volk Joe. 
<laughs> yeah, Chris is a fucking awesome he's guy. Good, I'm drinking on this episode, everybody. Just want to let you know that. Uh, it's exciting time. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't drank on an episode, Joe, since December of 2021. The first time <laughs> Holy I... shit. First time I've busted out the alcohol in an episode, Joe. Been a long time coming. Anyway, I'm scaring you guys, aren't I? <laughs> no, I'm excited. Yeah. The co-host, Joe, is uh, always bringing interesting ideas to the conversation, and his banter with Brian is getting better every week. Uh, although Jake will be dearly missed. <laughs> What's that about? Who's giggling over there? It's getting better every week. He's starting yeah. off real shitty. Yeah. Every week he's a little less shitty. Yeah, a little engine that could, you know? <laughs> I mean, he guess he keeps showing up, so what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks for being there, Joe. <laughs> right. I know, Brian's this comedic genius, and I mean, hey, Joe just keeps trying. I never get that, Joe. I never fucking get it. So let me have my one little fucking moment, and you can take your one little fucking negative, because everybody sucks your dick. Everybody sucks your dick. They suck Jake's dick. They suck everybody else's dick on this fucking show. And I fucking, I get nothing. So thank you, Trevor, for sucking my dick a little bit. I appreciate it. Joe gets, you get one little bit of negativity. And it's like, you gotta, I, let me revel in my little moment here. And arguably it wasn't even negative. It wasn't. It wasn't. You decided to take it that way. I'm fucking glad I did because your reaction was hilarious. I don't get anything. I get nothing. This is nice. It's nice hearing things. You know, sometimes, you know, I no, seriously, I feel like a Jan in a room full of marshes. <laughs> sometimes it's nice to feel pretty. You are the belle of the ball. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Can I just fucking wave my hand and wear my tiara and have my fucking moment, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Although Jake will be dearly missed, Joe has seemed to fall perfectly into place as the new co-host. Combine these two guys with a fantastic pool of rotating guests on the show, and it makes for the perfect way to catch up on all things pop culture. I look forward to new episodes each week and can't wait to listen. So if you're looking for a way to catch up on all things nerd and love a good laugh while doing so, this is the podcast for you. Thanks a lot for the content, guys, and please, please keep up the good work. Thanks, Trevor from Mississippi. Thank you, Trevor. You are my I fucking I love Trevor. My probably my favorite <laughs> fucking listener at this point, Joe. Be honest with you. Yeah, no, that was a great review. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, Trevor from Mississippi, man. I don't know, man. I don't know what they're putting in there and in the water in Mississippi, but they're doing something right in Mississippi, Joe. M i s s i s s i p p i. Bam! I love Mississippi. <laughs> but can you do it backwards? I, uh, can you? Can you? I bet you can. Uh, oh, I love Joe. He can say Mississippi backwards. Right, He's on. so amazing. Find my center. I P P I S S I S S I M. Oh, he's got one up me, don't you? <laughs> 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 Fucking Marsha. 
I know I've been training for that like fucking Rocky my whole life. Yeah. Someday, someday, your co-host is going to challenge you to say Mississippi backwards. <laughs> Get up, you son of a bitch! <laughs> uh, Final iTunes. When are you going to get to the content? When are you going to stop listening and stop bitching? <laughs> you know, you know. when are you going to talk about cocaine beer or whatever the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get real, there. Right? I'm here for cocaine bear. Yeah, I'm here for Talk cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Yeah. Uh, last one comes from Champagne. I like that. It's a S H A A M P I I N. Champagne. Of it, nice. and then it has in like parentheses, uh, Bloodhammer Brigade, which. Sounds like a group of female warriors on their menstrual cycle. <laughs> the Blood Hammer Brigade. And so, yeah, Champagne, uh, it's a, a title, Pop Culture Perfection, and uh, it's a five-star. Uh, long-time listener, on and off for years, and uh, I still have not found a better pop culture podcast to listen to. You know, on and off for years, Joe, I'm not upset at that. Like, on and off for years, they come back, they're coming back, Joe. They're coming back. back. You, you never we'll forget for your a little bit, and they're like, you know what? These other podcasts just—they're just not doing it the way that PCL did. Yeah, gotta go back for that humor. I got. I, well, I don't. I, what are they coming back for, Joe? We don't know if it's the humor. I you think know? they're coming back because they think Brian's funny. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Joe. I don't fucking hear it ever. Trevor's the, like the first. The first person to ever say it. Trevor and Chris from Volk. I love them. I love these guys. Anyway. Longtime listener on and off for years. And I still have not found a better pop culture podcast to listen to. I put on Brian and Joe as I drive long distances. And it's as if a group of my friends are in the car with me goofing around, making jokes and talking about my favorite interests. I wreck a lot. <laughs> it does not say that. <laughs> oh. uh, These fuckers laugh me right off the road. Yeah, <laughs> like Toons is the driving cat. <laughs> <laughs> the recent Last of Us, uh, Last of Us podcasts are a perfect mix of breaking down an episode with wit and humor. I always look forward to additional episodes from the Pop Culture Leftovers crew. Uh, thank you, PCL, for all the entertainment. A fan for life. Miss you, Jake. And that's from Champagne. Thank you, Champagne. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, those are the iTunes reviews. Would love to get some more of them. So, yeah, yeah, they really came through this week. Yeah, that was a lot did. of reviews. That's well, awesome. it's two weeks of buildup, Joe. Two Still. weeks of buildup. You're giving them a little bit more credit than they deserve, Joe. <laughs> Should we lean more into the criticism? Should we go with a criticism sandwich? Yeah. I had a bunch of other stuff I want to talk. We're already, how long? We're 28 minutes in. We haven't even done a goddamn review yet. I ain't got nothing else to talk about this week. <laughs> I'll do it next. How about next week, Joe? I'll bring all the other bullshit up. There you go. Put yeah. it in your notes. We yeah. got this. Yeah. Okay. What do we got here? Yeah, let's see. You guys ready to. Dre, could you keep it down? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. God damn. I'm, just, I'm out of control. I know. God. Dial it back a second. What? 
So I'll dial it back. <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's jump in a good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe, uh, finished uh, finished the, the uh, final episode of Physical 100 this week. Oh, excellent. What did you think of the ending? I love it, man. I love it. I, 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 <clears throat> I don't think I don't think that I, and it sounds like they're coming back. Uh, they plan to come back. Hopefully Netflix will pick it up or whatever. But uh, just an incredible season. Uh, just an incredible show. Great concept. I love it. I want to see other countries do physical 100. I'd love to see like uh, um, like a European version, a fucking like of course a U.S. version, whatever, man. I love this show. I think it's great. Um, you know, getting down to the final five, and they find really interesting ways to to knock the competition out one by one until you're f- finally down to two guys. You know, going for that going for that uh, three hundred million won prize. And uh, man, Joe, I loved it. It's an absolute Tupperware. Physical 100 on Netflix. Just amazing competition reality series. And I don't think anybody, I don't think you can start the season and be like, I think that guy's going to win. Because you don't know what they're going to put these people through. Oh, absolutely. And it it all depends on what type of activity or what type of challenges they're doing and in what order. Because just right off the bat with them starting from a hanging challenge, it's going to be very good for the people with the high strength to mass ratio, yeah. very bad for the people with the high mass to strength ratio. Even if they are, you know, the strongest dude in Korea, you can't hang for that long. But yeah. then, you know, in the follow up to that, in, the, in that first episode, they got these people literally wrestling hand to hand over this giant medicine ball, whereas that's going to very much favor these big bulky dudes, which it seemed to do in a lot of the matchups. But um, yeah, I'm still a bit behind on the show. I'm loving what I've watched so far, and I got to get it finished. Um, glad to hear that you stuck with it, man. You blew through it really fast, so that really makes me want to, you know, yeah. get a, get on this thing and get it finished. It's really good, man. Absolute Tupperware. Loved it. Uh, and then I watched another thing. I just kind of like threw on uh, last week was uh, Batman and Superman: Battle of the Super Sons, the animated DC movie. Oh, nice! I haven't watched that one yet. What'd you think? That's a Tupperware, man. That's on. It, you oh, can watch. Shit. It's on HBO Max, and I, I, I loved it. It's uh, Jonathan Kent and uh, Damian Wayne, and uh, man, uh, Starro's the villain in it. It is absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Absolute Tupperware. The voice acting was great. The two kids were great. So yeah, check it out. It's on HBO Max. I hadn't seen it before. This one, like you know, I must have missed this. It just didn't hit my radar. I saw it. On uh, HBO Max, I'm like, I got to check this out. Yeah, Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, absolute Tupperware. Ooh, that oh, was a bit nice. on my radar, but I haven't checked it out yet. Check it out. It's, it's, real, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. I was a huge fan of their run in uh, Rebirth. There was a book with that featured those two, and it was a really, really fun Wasn't read. it so called Super Sons? Movie. Yeah. 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 
You'll like the movie, Joe. It's really cool. Sweet. I love the dynamic between those two characters. It's so fun. Oh, yeah. Because it's like they're amped up versions of their parents, which is just perfect. Let's talk cocaine bear. (laughs) Yes, excellent. After a 500-pound black bear consumes a significant amount of cocaine and embarks on a drug-fueled rampage, an eccentric eccentric gathering of cops, criminals, tourists, and teenagers assemble in a Georgia forest. Directed by Elizabeth Banks, written by Jimmy Warden. Uh, It's loosely... Inspired by the true story of the cocaine bear, an American black bear that ingested millions of dollars of lost cocaine in 1985. Uh, and they actually had like actual news footage in in the movie. Um, didn't they like they had Ted Koppel in there, right? Was that yeah. Ted? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a very young looking Ted Koppel. Yeah. It was a trip. Yeah. The film features an ensemble cast that includes Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Convery, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Brooklyn Prince, Isaiah Whitlock, Margot Martindale, and Ray Liotta. The film marked the uh, posthumous uh, release. I never say that right. No, you nailed it. I did? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There's certain words, like, if they're, if, like, I know what they are, but when I read them, I read them as, like, sometimes as, like, what they look like. So sometimes I'll say, like, I know what the word is, but I'll say posthumous. <laughs> it's like, and I do the same thing with hyperbole. I know it's hyperbole, but every once in a while I'll say hyperbole. Because, <laughs> nice. Because I'm reading it, and I'm just reading it very quickly. Anyway. Yeah, the film marked the posthumous release for Ray Liotta, who died on May 26, 2022, with the film being dedicated to his memory. And, uh, yeah, um, I do not. I, 1985, that would have made me seven years old. I, I don't remember seeing this in the news. Um, this is a wild story. Of course, this is loosely based on it. Um, and uh, I... Right out of the gate, I liked the 80s setting. Uh, I liked uh, the score was done by Mark Mothersbaugh. I loved the score. He did Thor Ragnarok, which I love the score for that. And I think Mark Mothersbaugh did a great job with the score in this movie. Uh, I had fun. I thought it was a fun movie. Um, I, you know, some of the, some of the, sta- I, some of the, two of the standouts that I absolutely loved. I loved O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich. I think those two were great together. They had great chemistry. I thought Ray Liotta was great. Um, I had a lot, I'm going to give it a high taste. I don't think it's like perfect, but I had fun. Um, and my theater had fun watching the movie. But I want to hear what you guys thought. We can get into it a little bit more. Uh, John, what did you think about Cocaine Bear? I thought it was a Tupperware. Nice. I just saw it today. Um, I think in the beginning, it it was a little bit slow in the beginning. And I was like, how are they going to make this? How are they going to pull this off? And by the end, I just had so much fun and saw so many things that I don't think I've ever seen quite like that in a movie. Like, I didn't know I needed more kids doing drugs in movies, but they did it really well. And it, it was like funny, but not... Uh, offensive. I don't know. The whole thing was entertaining to a T, and um, I really, really enjoyed it. Every character and actor I thought were great. Margot Martindale was my yeah, favorite. Yeah. Um, I thought she was she was really good. Uh, it kind of was lost on me that it took place in the eighties. I feel like an idiot, but 
I didn't even really notice, but it didn't bother me. But the whole th- I thought the whole thing was great. I just kept feeling I kept feeling bad for uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s uh, jersey the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I care more about the jersey than his. And then his health. And then his white sneakers just kept getting fucked up. Uh, Dre, what would you think about Cocaine Bear? Um, yeah, I'm going to give this one a high taste it. I mean, it's a movie about a bear on a co- on cocaine. You kind of know what you're getting, what you're signing up for when you go see this. Like, you know, some movies that have these absurd titles that immediately grab your attention. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't think of like, you know, Snakes on a Plane or Sharknado, like ones that have absurd titles that didn't work. This one worked. It knew what it was, and it leaned into it. It went um, all in with its kind of over-the-top nature and absurdity and being loosely based on it, and we I stress the term loosely based on it, the real events. But, yeah, a lot of it was just simple, turn-your-brain-off fun and just go along for the ride. There was one minor scene that I won't detail on it that I kind of didn't like but involving the kids, but I won't go into details about it. Um, the only other thing I wish – I might sound weird, but I kind of wish they had been maybe a little bit more violence in it to a certain extent. I kind of feel like they sometimes they held back on it and I thought they would have given me a little bit more. And it seems like they slightly pulled back. But outside of that, it was fun and I enjoyed it all the way. So, yeah, I might have high tasted with it. Yeah, I you know, I think Elizabeth Banks is a good director. I, re- I you know, I, I, I mean, she, didn't she did she did like I, I'm not a fan of this franchise, but she did like the Pitch Perfect movies, right? She directed the second one. The second one. And, uh, and that made which like. Was, yeah, really well. It like box office just blew up, right? I mean, it was one of the. Yeah, I think it, she was at the time a, uh, like a record for female director box yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I didn't even know this was directed by her until I happened to, I don't know, I heard it on online somewhere but i was like this just didn't match her in my head of something she would direct and i thought it was really interesting that a female would direct this kind of movie i don't know but um anyway if if there's if there's an unrated cut with more gore and shit like that dre that's what i I would love to see um i agree with you i can see there being that something like that existing if it went on the level of like a violent night with that kind of like gore and violence right that's that's what i think they should have done here i mean you know, it, oh, it, you know what? Other, oh, go ahead. Other character I love that didn't get enough time is Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family as Peter. Yes, really silly like yeah. Park Ranger guy. I would have watched more of just him in his own show. It's like watching him and Margot Martindale. It took me a moment to realize who it was. Like I knew the face, but he yeah. just looked so different because he's so clean cut on Modern Family. Yeah. That it like took me a moment to realize who it was, and when I realized who it was, um, I was just like, "Oh my god!" But yeah, he was great. I liked seeing him in this. Um, yeah, if there's an unrated version of this one, I'd love to see that. I I just wish that she would have went a little bit more into like the the gore and a little bit more of the horror of it all too. It's a fucking. There's parts where it's funny and it needed to be funny, but then you could, mm-hmm. you know, you could tr- you could flip that on a dime and have it just be scary if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, the bear the movie, almost looked too cute to me. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the look, movie. Yeah. Like, when you saw him close up, it almost was like, "There's a cute bear." I don't know. He needed to be a little bit more scary or threatening well, or. I don't know. There's a part that I think they really held back on where, like, the the bear knocks down a door and it's standing on top of a door. 
Oh, yeah. And it's pinning a guy down on the door. And I think that that could have gone really violent if they wanted to. And they held, they pulled back on that. Uh, Joe, what'd you think about Cocaine Bear? Yeah, I'm definitely with John on this one. This was a Tupperware for me as well. I, I had a really, really great time watching this. This movie delivered in the way that I wanted it to, because just hearing the title of this movie and seeing the trailers, this is a this is a movie that had a gimmick. And so it's easy to hook people in and bring audiences in for that first weekend if you've got a gimmick. But will the film ultimately deliver after you've gotten the audience into their seats with that gimmick? And for this movie, it really did deliver. I, I thought that the performances in it were really great. I thought there was just the right amount of of humor, action, and gore in it to to fit what they were doing. I do agree with you that it, it – I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but having it be a little bit gorier, I'd have been okay with that. But I'm also okay with the level of gore we got because I, I do think there was some pretty wild – scenes in this movie that were pretty bloody with you know different body parts and stuff like that but it definitely could have gone harder in that but i guess i just didn't necessarily need it to go harder in that direction for it to affect my rating um but uh i agree that the the standout performances in this was that relationship between alden ehrenreich and o'shea jackson jr i thought it was just hilarious in the way that that progressed as well um Worked out really great. I'd been really looking forward to seeing what Ray Liotta's last performance was going to be, and he absolutely delivered in this. He just played the perfect old man villain. (laughs) And a lot of the lines he had in this were so funny in the way that he delivered them. I think the acting was a little more, a little better than you would expect from this type of movie. I don't know. That's just yeah, me, I but. agree, because this this has got, you know, B-movie material written all over it, but it's actually got really good performances in it. It's it's mm-hmm. shot really well. I enjoyed seeing Tormund from Game of Thrones uh, in, in the opening scene of this, and then we get a little bit more of him later in the movie as well. That's who that uh, was! It absolutely was. Holy shit. <laughs> right? God damn it, uh, yeah. I never would have known had you not said that. Yeah, yeah, it was like nerdy Tormund. I mean, it was uh, right when it started off, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's fucking Tormund. Like, holy shit. And like, <laughs> I am deeded as soon as the movie was over. I'm like, it is. That's fucking great. That yeah. dude's got great range. That yeah. He can play this fearsome badass in a setting like Game of Thrones and also play this, like, really lovable dork in in this movie like it was really great it was it was awesome to see him in this movie um really i think elizabeth banks knocked it out of the park with this movie and i would love to see her spin this off into some other ridiculous movies that are in this same vein especially if, if she can capture the same sort of atmosphere and vibe that she did with this movie where for me it was just this perfect balance of of humor and gore in action that it absolutely just worked for me it was like the characters that 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 I had this great connection to. That I I I liked what happened with them. I was I, this movie had a high body count too, and I was really okay with with the body count that we had in this movie. And my jaw yeah. dropped a few times. <laughs> yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, this is absolutely you cannot be denied. This is a movie with a with a gimmick. They're calling it Cocaine Bear. It's this bear that is like impossibly like eating and snorting cocaine out in the woods and then just going on this wild fucking bender. There's a scene where he rips the leg off of somebody and then does a line of coke off the leg. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, which was in the red band trailer too. And so 
But oh I think my the gosh. director deserves some credit for pulling this off without being cheesier or I agree. you know. Yeah. I mean, her, yeah, credits are her and the cast because they they committed to it and nobody phoned it in, but they didn't no. go full campy with it either. Yeah, yep. they struck that perfect balance in in their roles without being completely absurd or ridiculous. Nice yeah, to it see. Still seemed, it still seemed real. It still seemed realistic, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think that that's a hard act. I think that that's a hard line to follow with content like this, and they did it beautifully. Nice to see uh, Alden Ehrenreich back in something, too. I, I think he's oh, a good absolutely. actor. I think for as much as Sh- Solo gets shit on, I, I don't think he was the problem. So No, no, I don't think he was the problem with that at all. I, I think you punch up the script a little bit on Solo, and we could have had a, a really, really good movie. But I'm also not the biggest Solo hater as others out there. I think we've seen fucking far worse Disney Star Wars movies than Solo. Uh, let's jump into the other bear movie of the week. Uh, oh. I, know, I know John did Oh, did you have something else to say? Dre? I was just gonna say, Joe said he wants to see. Uh, he would he would be down for Elizabeth Bank doing more of this. So, are you saying that you want a full on drugged up monster universe? And just it, keep it going with this. It could be fun. Cocaine it, bear, meth gator, crack monkey. Just bring them all on. <laughs> hey, if they can come up with a script that's as fun as this one, then yeah, bring it on. I want to see PCP koala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch out yeah. for them drop bears, mate. Quaalude quail. It's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> he's just really chill, man. Yeah, man. This is a really chill quail. <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck if you take its eggs. Yeah. Um, oh man, a honey badger would be a good one to get fucked up on drugs too. Yeah, it would dude. Honey badgers are fucking fearsome. You want to have a fun rabbit hole experience on YouTube? Look up honey badger videos. Oh yeah, what's uh, you've seen like the honey badger don't give a fuck that one? Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, where the guy talks about the honey badger. It's hilarious. <laughs> have you seen heroin horse? Heroin horse? <laughs> no, that's not real, but it should be. I once, I once, I once, I forget what I was, I went down like a rabbit hole one night just watching like animals like attack each other on YouTube, you know? And they had, it was a, it was a fucking, uh, I don't know how this even happened, but there was a, it, it was like inside of a barn and they like captured it on like a black and white kind of like a security camera and a lion got into a barn and was going after a bull. Oh, geez. Joe. I'm not kidding you. This bull was fucking up this lion, dude. Yeah, I fucking bet it was. God damn. You, you think about, you know, king of the jungle, right? You know, big cat. I'm not saying, you know, big cat, man. Like, yeah, but not one on one with that much fucking muscle. Oh, my God. This fuck. It was this this fucking bull was just charging like in a, in a small space too. you know, inside this barn, just charging this fucking lion. And it was just like goring this lion and throwing him up in the air, tossing this lion around like a rag doll. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was in, it was just oh, wild. That, yeah, it's not a fair fight at all. You got to look at just like, you know, you got to look at it like a UFC fight. Like each powder, each fighter, pound for pound, how much do they weigh? <laughs> that bull is like fucking six of those lions, you know? Yeah, Jesus Christ. That, that lion had been on some liquor. Might have been a horrible <laughs> fair fight. <laughs> five of its buddies with it. <laughs> give, give that, give that lion a little bit of maker's mark or something. <laughs> you know, 
see what's up. Let's talk about the next bear movie. Uh, John, I don't think you got to see this one. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Joe, you got to see it? Yeah, I did. Dre, did you see it? I did not. It wasn't playing anywhere local for me. Okay, yeah. Joe and I both saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, apparently, Winnie the Pooh went in the public domain. So the person who... Uh, who fucking thought of this fucking uh, this fucking monstrosity of a movie? <laughs> <laughs> they they capitalized as soon as Winnie the Pooh went in the public domain. Uh, now feral and bloodthirsty, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet terrorize Christopher Robin and a group of young women at a remote house. It's directed by Reese Waterfield. Uh, it serves as a horror retelling of uh, of. Uh, of uh, Milne and Shepard's Winnie the Pooh books and stars Craig David Dowsett as Winnie the Pooh, Chris Cordell as Piglet, with Amber Doig Thorne, Nikolai Leon, a bunch of other fucking people I've never heard of. It follows... What's <laughs> <laughs> the point in naming them off? Christ. It's not like Cocaine Bear that's got like Margot Martindale and... It's got a bunch of none people. Of, none, of, none of them even have links in Wikipedia. They're yeah. all just black. Yeah. It follows Pooh and Piglet, who have now become feral and bloodthirsty murderers as they terrorize a group of young university women and an adult Christopher Robin when he returns to the Hundred Acre Wood many years later after leaving for college. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, the movie starts off, uh, get a little bit of uh, animation here about you know young Christopher Robin who meets these anthropomorphic you know woodland creatures uh, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet Eeyore Rabbit and Owl in the Hundred Acre Wood and he becomes friends with them and uh, then he gets older and he's got to go off to college and he leaves them behind this whole time he's been taking care of them going out to where they live bringing them food bringing them honey letting them eat shit. So they've been living the good life with Christopher Robin, playing with him, you know. And then he goes off to college, and then they're fucking, they're, they don't have any food. They're left out there to fend for themselves, so they go feral. They go crazy. It, the, the, the moment they go crazy is the, the point where they're at starvation. And the animation shows them, like, emaciated. Like, you're seeing their ribs and shit. Like, they're fucking hungry. And so, like, they're... They go crazy after they're forced to kill and eat one of their own. They go cannibalistic and eat Eeyore. <laughs> and they're traumatized at this point. And now they've developed this hatred uh, towards anything human, especially Christopher Robin, for leaving them. And so uh, they, 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 they abandon their humanity and return to their you know, woodland feral instincts. And then they say that they're never going to speak again. And now, cut to five years later, Christopher Robin returns with his fiance Mary, and he's looking for his old friends. And of course, Mary thinks he's fucking crazy because he's talking about hanging out with, you know, talking woodland creatures when he was a child, and he believes it's real. And she's like, all right, let's just leave. All right, we've been looking around long enough, blah, 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 blah. And then they come across, like, where Pooh and Piglet and all of his friends fucking live, and he's looking for them. And then they they eventually come home, but it's like they're different. They're, like, they're mean. And <laughs> it reminded me of, like, Winnie the Pooh meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, 
I'll be honest with you. There's some cool kills in it. There's a there's a few cool kills, but I I wasn't I wasn't in love with this movie at all. It's a very low taste it for me, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, this was this was another one that I was really looking forward to because it was a movie with a gimmick, and I thought it was perfect that we had two movies on Good Pop Bad Pop this week that are both initially sold as a gimmick. And man, this is a fucking gimmick if there's ever been one. Beloved children's character Winnie the Pooh is now going to be a, a, a serial killer slasher type villain. So that's some great premise there. There's a lot of good stuff to work with there. You could make this a very fun movie with 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 some good callbacks to Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. And and why in the world would you ever take a premise like this seriously and try to give like a gritty real world version of it like this is this begs to lean into the camp and 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 acknowledge that this entire premise is ridiculous so let's make the movie ridiculous and fun and the director didn't have any of those fucking thoughts at all he was thinking this is the the gritty like fucking down to brass tacks hardcore winnie the pooh as a fucking murderer movie that nobody asked for and for me, this movie just it failed on multiple levels, like technical levels, even too. I, I felt I thought the audio mixing in this was fucking terrible. There was times where the score was so loud that I couldn't understand what any of the characters were saying. Not that it really mattered, because the the plot in this was just so fucking rote and boring that you just knew every turn in this that was going to happen before it happened. You compared this to Chainsaw Massacre. To me, I was watching it, con- comparing it to the the early two thousands movie Wrong Turn. Where the people get lost in the Appalachian Mountains and run into like oh yeah that's a good one oh, yeah the the, yeah. the 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 mutated fucking cannibalistic hillbillies well that's what this movie is this is wrong turn with like shitty fucking Halloween masks and like terrible production value and the whole thing is so dreadfully boring and serious that it, it, it anything any sort of promise that came with that hook. Uh, the gimmick of what this movie was going to be from the start. It just fell flat. There was, oh, and anytime any character is running in this, don't even bother looking at the screen because it's the most egregious shaky cam I've ever seen maybe in any movie. Not even worth looking at the screen if somebody's running. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have any fun with this movie. I, I totally agree with the, the single-digit Rotten Tomato score on this. It's an absolute turd. It was a toss-it for me. And, and mostly I just look at this as a lesson of wasted potential. Where it's like, if you get an idea to do something like this and you got a gimmick that's going to draw people in, like, lean into what this thing should be. Like, nobody wants to see an ultra-serious Winnie the Pooh movie that's just a ripoff of other fucking horror movies that we've seen done way better. Like, give us something that's actually a little bit of fun and campy and leans into how silly that gimmick is from the start. Yeah, it's the problem with, like, getting into some of the silly camp of it all with the Winnie Pooh characters is the fact that he can't have it directly Yeah, he mimic. can't even Disney editions. Yeah, it you, can only be the original yeah. novel. Well, you can't even have it kind of like mimic a lot of the Disney stuff, you know, to where, you know, I, I, I just remember like when uh, Sam Raimi did the Oz movie, he had to make, he couldn't make it look like the MGM Wizard of Oz, uh, the shade of green, that they used on the witch had to be a different shade. Uh, the ruby slippers had to be a different color of like red. Like there's certain things that they had to, to change, and the same thing goes for this. But 
So the guy wasn't running around in a red shirt, no pants? Uh, no. No. <laughs> That'd have been hilarious, though. No. No. Um, I mean, this was made on a shoestring budget, too. $15,000. Um, and uh, I think the movie, last time I checked, it's made over a million and a half. Yeah. The effects on the kills did look good. I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's nothing that I'd waste my time to see in the theater again or even at home on video on demand. So, uh, I mean, it, it's better than Skinamarink, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Hey, at least I finished this one. <laughs> God. All right. That's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, let's talk about We Have a Ghost on Netflix. Uh, this, the discovery that their house is haunted by a ghost named Ernest makes Kevin's family a social media sensation. But when Kevin and Ernest get to the bottom of the mystery of Ernest's past, they become targets of the CIA. It's uh, directed by Christopher Landon. Well, I'm a big Christopher Landon fan. I, I loved uh, Freaky uh, with Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. I thought that was a fantastic movie. I'm also a big fan of the Happy Death Day franchise, which uh, they just said that if they would have made a Happy, happy Death Day number three, it would have been a, in a, set in a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That'd be amazing. Uh, this is based on the 2017 short story Ernest by Jeff Mana. The film stars David Harbour, uh, Jahi Winston, uh, Tignataro, Jennifer Coolidge, and Anthony Mackey. And um, yeah, Joe, tell us about We Have a Ghost and what did you think? Yeah, so so this movie, these we got this family that moves into this house and they've got two teenage boys and the the younger more sullen artistic centered boy uh discovers that there's a ghost living in the attic and ghost tries to scare him doesn't work and the kid ends up kind of making a connection with the ghost instead and then his father or his brother and then his father and then eventually his mother all find out that that they've got this ghost living in the house and the youtube video gets out and it blows up and then there's just like mobs of people that are just in love with this ghost hanging out outside the house. And then the CIA gets involved because they've apparently got some shelved program where they're trying to capture a ghost. And then they get involved trying to trying to steal the ghost from that point or, you know, abduct the ghost, apprehend it, whatever. Um, th this was a movie going in that that I was really looking forward to. It has Anthony Mackie in it. I, I enjoy what he's been doing in the MCU. And uh, it had David Harbour in it. And I love David Harbour. I've, I've loved him in almost everything I've seen him in. Um, I stayed away from his Hellboy reboot <laughs> after hearing the abysmal reviews on oh, that. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> That's what I've heard. And so I was like, yeah, I won't let that. I won't let that be the first David <laughs> Harbour movie that I thought sucked. And, and in its place, we got We Have a Ghost. And, and for this one, man, there was – David Harbour was the only – bit in this that i liked they didn't, didn't let him talk it. no that was the worst fucking part to me is that he's just doing this like oh mm, shrugging type acting the whole fucking movie um he did have some fun antics in this but overall i felt like this movie was like i think maybe like two hours and 10 minutes but it, it felt like it took days of my life to get through this thing like it was just this never-ending slog fest that every once in a while it had some fun stuff in it that you would do if you have a ghost that you're friends with in your house and you're trying to freak people out but then it kind of turned into et and 
I don't know. I just wasn't into it. I'm, I'm giving it a low taste. It, and personally, I think that that is a generous rating on this one. That's very generous. This is a toss it for me, man. I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> You're telling me you cast fucking David Harbour and you don't let him talk in the movie. Fuck I, right fucking off. Wild choice. Oh, my God. I, lo- I love Tig Notara, too. And I thought that her character was just silly in this. I hated Anthony Mackie in this, not because of him, but I hated oh, his character the- was just despicable. his character was a despicable, despicable douchebag the entire fucking time to his son. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I can't stand him in this movie. And it's not because I don't like Anthony Mackie. It's because I fucking hated his character. Uh, the mom was worthless in this movie. Like they gave her nothing to do. Oh, zero personality. She's yeah. just be afraid. Uh, support your husband. Why are you supporting your husband yeah. so much? Like it, unbelievable. I hated this fucking movie. I hated it. It didn't know if it was a kids <laughs> movie. It didn't know if it was trying to be a kids movie or an adult like mature movie. It didn't. It didn't know if it was trying to be Beetlejuice or ET. It was fucking. Terrible, absolute toss it. I hated this way too long. Um, I messaged Jake halfway through and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I feel like I've been watching this movie forever. Like, and I got another fucking hour left and it feels like there's been an hour left for the past two hours. Oh, I hated it. Absolute toss it. John, what'd you think about We Have a Ghost? Uh, I was waffling between ratings on this one. Uh, I landed on a taste it. I guess I liked it more than you guys. Um, but a lot of the stuff you're bringing up was the main problems I wrote down about it. Um, I thought David Harbour was wasted and he, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just wish it had been someone else, I guess in in that role. I'm not sure. Um, but, and then the youngest boy who was the main character, I thought, he was a really good kid actor and he had a lot of heart and I think the movie had a lot of heart and I wish it had been better. But, um, yeah, I agree with it. Not it kind of not knowing whether it was a kid's movie or, or something more serious because things would happen. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't expect that to happen in this kid's movie. I'm like, wait, it's not really a kid's movie, you know? Um, but it was just a taste it overall. I think, I think it had, it kept my attention, and I thought it was it was good enough, but nothing amazing. God, have you seen Freaky or Happy Death Day? No, but I know I've heard a lot about how both of those are good. I highly recommend them, and like like don't let like this movie like deter you from watching those because Christopher Landon's a really good director when he's fucking I don't know when he's doing anything but this. Jesus Christ, this movie was trash. Um, Dre, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, you guys have kind of said most of it all um i'm at a low taste it with it david harbour his character even with him not speaking still managed to be very endearing as a you know speechless ghost in this movie and he was probably the best part about the movie for me it seemed like this movie's ambitions were bigger than its execution like it wanted to do grand things but it just did not do them well at all the fact that you said it was based on a book actually kind of shed some light on some things to me because it seems like there was a lot left out of the movie. It felt kind of hollow, like family dynamics and stuff that just weren't fully fleshed out, which led to Anthony Matthews dad seem as a dad character seemed like such a, a douche. Like maybe there's more to it in the book than what was presented in this movie. But yeah, it just seemed kind of all over the place and just didn't execute any aspects of it very well at all. 
And yeah, it did also take some surprisingly adult turns at some points where I thought this was just meant to be like a, a kid family type movie. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah, it just like I said, this the execution of this just was not good for what it seemed like it wanted to be. So yeah, I'm just at a low tasted with it. I was super excited, man. You tell me we I get a fucking movie with fucking Red Guardian and Falcon. I was like, fuck, man, this is going to be fun. I like both these guys. Oh, I hated this movie so much. <laughs> it was, I hated it. It was definitely too long. Oh, two hours, seven minutes. Yeah. Let's take it, you guys. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we got, God damn it, I gave you guys a huge list this week. I feel like a, <laughs> I feel like such a cunt for that. God damn. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're not even halfway done with this fucking crap. (laughs) No, there's so many good things to come. (laughs) Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back, and we're talking about, uh, oh, fucking hell. Your place... (laughs) (laughs) This goddamn list this week. God damn it. Joe, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start trimming the list. And it's like, I just gave you guys so much shit this week. No, I heard the echoes of that when I looked at this list. I was like, there's nine things on this. And a couple days later, you're like, hey, we have a ghost also. Add this. Yeah, add this too. (laughs) I might as well just put put PS, fuck you, you know? (laughs) I had a good laugh at that, dude. (laughs) Make sure you add this movie that I'm going to hate. Yeah, exactly. Add the. I see, I don't know. I know. I feel like I'm I'm saving the listener from watching that fucking turd. Yeah. No, dude, when, when you added that, and the first time I looked it up and watched a trailer for it, I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Fun it was not. No. I think some people are going to like it. I mean, that's true for anything, but. Yeah, there's always one or two idiots out there, aren't there, John? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I tried to get my kids to watch it with me. Sometimes I like to see movies like this through their lens, but nobody was interested. So I watched that one by myself. Yeah. 
Your Place or Mine. This dropped on Netflix. New rom-com written and directed by Aline Brush McKenna in her directorial debut. It's about Debbie and Peter, their best friends and total opposites. She craves uh, routine with her uh, with her son in L.A., but he thrives on change in New York. When they swap houses and li- and lives for a week, they discover what they think they want might not be what they really need. Man, there's a, uh, the opposites attract Joe. It's like that uh, Paul Abdul song with the cat. <laughs> Yes. Where she's fucking that feline. What was it? MC what was it? MC Cat? What was it? MC Skaggs? What was that fucking Oh god. M- MC Skat Cat. MC Skat Cat. Like yeah. Two t- steps forward. <laughs> I definitely remember the video. Mm-hmm. It did give the impression that she was having a relationship with a cartoon cat. I don't like cigarettes. I love to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that they were going to make a uh, MC uh, Scat Cat cartoon at one time? No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, isn't Scat also mm-hmm. shit? It is. Oh. Don't quote me on that Scat Cat. I don't remember if that's his actual I, I think it might be. I'm trying to look it up now and see. Yeah. And it's, it's also that weird fucking vocalization shit that jazz people do. Oh, yeah. yeah. MC Scat Cat. MC Scat Cat. Uh, let's see here. This one stars uh, Reese Witherspoon as Debbie and Ashton Kutcher as Peter. Uh, Zoe Shaw, uh, Jesse Williams, uh, Wesley Kimmel. That's gotta, is that, is that uh, Jimmy Kimmel's son? He did look like him. Yeah. Probably is. Nice to have those Hollywood connections where your dad can throw you in a movie. Hey, what are you doing this weekend, mm-hmm. Wesley? Oh, no. Oh, his father is writer-director-producer Jonathan Kimmel. No shit! He's the nephew of Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, there we go. There it is. Yeah. He's still there. Thanks, Uncle Thanks, Uncle Jimmy, for the movie. Thank you, Uncle Jimmy. You, no, you're not, you're not going to be playing Minecraft this weekend, Wesley. You're going to be starring in a movie with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. No, <laughs> You can play Minecraft next week. This week you're doing the movie. I uh, Wesley's mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Wesley. God damn it, Wesley. <laughs> Tignataro, Steve Zahn. Yeah. So you got Debbie and you got Peter. They had they uh, they met uh, twenty I believe twenty years prior. Had a had a had a night of sexy time together, but uh, then he kind of like uh, you know didn't want anything serious, and uh, he ends up moving to New York. She lives in L.A. She's got her own career. He's got his own career in New York. But they've remained friends over the years, and they talk on the phone every week. Know everything about each other, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't like to hold on to mementos and memories and things like that, and he doesn't. Um, He's always dating somebody new and blah blah blah. Doesn't want to get any eh, too serious with anybody. She's getting she she's had a divorce and getting back out into the dating world and all this shit. Anyway, she has to go up to New York uh, for uh, for like training or some shit. And then uh, he says, and then she she doesn't have everybody watch her kid, so he's like, I'll watch your kid. And he flies to L.A. to watch her kid, so he's staying in her house. And then she's staying in his house while she's up there. And um, 
Yeah. They fall in love. Anyway, there's that's that's the movie. Um, what? You, uh, taste it? I guess it was fine. I there's it was fine. There's parts that I there's like one part that I thought was funny. He's starting to get jealous because she's starting to see this guy, uh, Theo, played by Jesse Williams, and. Uh, he gets a notification on his uh, phone that uh, there's activity on the camera. And so he turns on his phone and he sees this guy picking up Reese Witherspoon, getting ready to take her into the bedroom. And he, he's just like grossed out because like he's in love with her and he <laughs> sees her about ready to fuck this, you know, very handsome man. And so he fucking throws his phone and it hits this decorative vase and just shatters <laughs> Like, I did laugh at that. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a cute little fucking movie for what it was. Just a, you know, just a simple rom-com. It didn't like reinvent the wheel, but I thought it was fine. I thought they had decent chemistry. I thought it was an interesting premise because you don't see that a lot where they're just friends for that long. And then, you know, so I, I'll give it a taste it, but uh, it didn't reinvent the rom-com wheel. Um but uh, I, I enjoyed the performances, I suppose, here. And I thought, uh, I thought Tig Notaro was great in this. So I'll give it a taste. It. Yes, another great Tig Notaro supporting role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Joe, what'd you think? Dude, uh, okay. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to say that my favorite rom-com is Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. And so when I saw this on the list and I was like, oh, my God, another Reese Witherspoon rom-com. How will it hit? And dude, this is a tougher way for me. I love oh my god, so Joe! Much. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hold on, hold on. Uh, okay, when Harry met Sally, where does that rank for you? Don't I mean, tell me you haven't that's... seen it in thirty years. Well, I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's been quite some time since I've seen When Harry Met Sally, but that's the one that like invented this genre, in my opinion. Like that movie is a fucking classic. It's the best, and and it will always be in there is one of the greats but for me this movie did everything that a rom-com needs to do yeah and it did it in a way that i've never seen it done before because most rom-coms you're going off the chemistry of these characters being in the same room together yeah. and in this movie they're on opposite ends of the fucking country and and it's all going on this past relationship that they've had where yeah they hooked up once it was a very long time ago and now they're they're best friends and they're under the impression that they know everything that's going on in each other's lives. But once they're actually living in the other person's home and seeing the reality of that person's life, they're realizing, no, they were just getting a manicured version of it. And the way that they go in and start meddling with their best friend's life, knowing that, oh, I shouldn't be meddling, but let's see how this is going to go. It just all I, when the chips all settled, like I thought it was perfect. I thought that this was a really great movie. I loved all the different side characters that was in it um, with um, with Reese Witherspoon's character, Debbie being in New York and her having that relationship with one of Peter's old flames with Minka. I thought that that was really fun. And then with her meeting Theo, um, I, I watched the, the first, I don't know, probably four seasons or so of Grey's Anatomy. And so whenever I see Jesse Williams, I immediately. Let think me of, guess. You watch that shit with your wife, huh? Of course I did. Dude, <laughs> 
season of Grey's Anatomy is fucking tight and awesome. And every there is, season after that sucks a little bit more. There's no man alive. I wouldn't go that far, man. Grey's Anatomy had a strong run. I, I used to watch it for a couple of seasons, too. <laughs> Those first couple of seasons were fucking great. Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Hey, uh, Dre. Fun. That blows my mind. I, Dre, hold on, hold on. Dre, Dre might want to. Dre, you might want to bounce out and bounce back in. You're starting to get robotic. Robotic, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Go ahead and bounce out, bounce back out. We'll keep it going. Yep, yep. But yeah, th- dude, this movie, it, it. I mean, it isn't like every time a rom-com comes out, I grab the box of tissues and I'm ready to watch it. But when I do watch a rom-com, they, they're, sometimes they work for me, sometimes they don't. And this one absolutely worked for me. And it also had the benefit of, like, Reese Witherspoon was already the, the, the lead in one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. I don't know why I've watched Sweet Home Alabama so many times. I've never seen it. Oh, it's fucking wonderful. It's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to me, like, Reese Witherspoon, is, she's just got that, such, like, America's sweetheart type vibe going for her. So yeah. when she's the lead in a rom-com... Like it doesn't take much for me to to absolutely believe it. Um, I, oh I my her in god! The show on Apple TV. I want to see well. you, I, Joe. I C two E two this year. I want you to wear a, a Sweet Home Alabama T shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would die. <laughs> Guaranteed people are going to want my picture at some point. Some rando be like, is that a Sweet Home Alabama t-shirt? Oh, my God. Oh my Joe, God. I would see Joe, like, fangirl out if fucking Reese Witherspoon came up to him. Oh, I would be so – I'd be a smitten kitten. Yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah, you would. You're like, oh, my God, I'm in your fan club, the Reese's Pieces. I'm – and then and then he <laughs> That's so funny! Holy, my shit. biggest, but yeah, dude, I loved this movie. It was, it was great for me. It was, it was very charming. Yeah, I loved the way it shook down at the end. Um, you know, and, and it follows the typical rom com formula that that we all know what it is. And, and this movie just did it really, really well for me. And yeah, I loved it. The, the, I, my biggest, the reason why I can't give this a Tupperware because I did enjoy this movie. I'm not going to lie, I did enjoy this movie. But the reason I can't give it a Tupperware is like. The one thing I wish they would have focused on a little bit more was the relationship with Peter and the, and the little boy Jack. I wanted to see more of Peter like bringing out the best of Jack and more of like those hockey moments because we got that hockey mm-hmm. moment. I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of a bond between those two doing more things and him building up Jack's confidence more throughout the movie. But I felt like yeah. they kept co- focusing on other things. And I think that's what, like, if they would have done that, I would have absolutely given this movie a Tupperware. If we would have had more of those hockey-type moments with Jack and Peter. Um, yeah, uh, I, I did love all the the running gags of him trying to find a different nickname for him and none of them working with the kid. Yeah, But but eventually when it was like, when it seemed like he really won that kid over, that was a really emotional moment for me. I didn't know you were such a Reese Witherspoon fan, Joe. <laughs> yeah, something I've always readily admitted. Like that, it's like, yeah, Sweet Home Alabama is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> oh man, Joe, never seen it. Never seen it. Who else is in? Who's who's the uh, who's her beau in that movie? Uh, dude, okay, it was the guy who was one of the villains in the Ang Lee Hulk movie. I'm blanking on his name. Jesus Christ, she was in a relationship with Nick Nolte. <laughs> dude, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Lucas. Oh, Josh Lucas. Yeah. And then Her love interest was in Nick Nolte. I know. Wouldn't that have been hilarious? 
<laughs> you were amazing last night. Your <laughs> dude sounds like he's fucking like choking on gravel and steel wall. You know, Jesus Christ, oh, dude. Sweet Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama, uh, Sweet Home Alabama is fucking great. It's also got Patrick Dempsey, it's yeah. got Candace Bergen. You, uh, lo- you love your, Ward, you love your Jesus Grey's Anatomy Mark. stars, don't you, Patrick Dempsey? It's got Melanie Linsky in it too. I forgot about that shit. Oh my god! I gotta go back and revisit this movie now. My, well, my favorite Patrick Dempsey movie is Lover Boy. You ever seen <laughs> Lover Boy from the eighties? Yeah. Where he yeah, was the, yeah. I remember Can't Buy Me Love, though. I remember him being in that one. Yeah, that was a good... Uh, lover Boy, he played a... Uh, he was like a male escort. These women would order... They would, he worked at a pizza place. He, they, they would order a, uh, a, a, a large pizza with extra mm-hmm. anchovies, and that was the code for sending over a male whore to the house. And then he would get... Holy it. shit. Yeah, he yeah. would... He would. It was a comedy, though. Carrie Fisher was in it. Um uh, the dude that played Mel in Alice, you know, the Mel's Diner sitcom was in it. Uh, they all had different husbands and they all wanted to kill them. Yes. Up with their wives. Such a great fucking movie. I love Lover Boy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What'd you, hey, uh, Dre, uh, what'd you think of your place or mine? Um, I gave it a, a taste. It. It's like you said, it was, it's a typical run of the mill rom com. It doesn't really remake the wheel in any way. But it has. The, it, it's got Reese Witherspoon in it for Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> she looks great. She looks great in the movie. Give mm-hmm. that. Still looks amazing. Oh, she hasn't aged a day. Not a day. Not, exactly. Her and yeah, Paul like Ryder. The, the, the one twist about it is that it, yeah, it separates the two main characters and puts them apart from each other. But that, other than that, yeah, it doesn't do anything different. I did enjoy the relationship with Ashton Kutcher's character and the kid. That was my favorite part of the movie. And just like you, I, I could have gone for more of that. Yeah, I wish they would have put more time into that because that was the part of the movie that I was that I enjoyed the most. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the ending to it felt a little bit rushed. <laughs> like, just this movie was kind of going along, and I'm enjoying it. Then all of a sudden, they just kind of wrap it all up in like five minutes. So, yeah, the end was rushed. But other than that. It's typical run-of-the-mill rom-com. You can sit down, watch it, enjoy it, and move on with your life. Yeah. Is Dre sounding a little robotic, Joe? Am yeah, I still sounding bit. that way? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Do you want, Hold on. Let's pause. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're back. Hopefully, Dre will be coming in clear. Uh, if not, feel free to uh, give us that one-star review. I just want to hit 1,000. <laughs> I don't care if the next fucking... T- <laughs> 26 whatever 24 26 reviews that we need to hit a thousand or all one stars just get us there um yeah john what'd you think of your place or mine oh man after this one i was wondering if i was gonna play it safe and rate it a low taste it but then i was like no john grab your balls and toss this movie How dare you? But it's got <laughs> Reese Witherspoon from Sweet Home Alabama in it. No, that's what makes me dislike it more is because I love her and I love Sweet Home Alabama. I love Legally Blonde. I love um, Walk the Line. I love so many things. She's uh, she was great in Walk the Line. Yeah, she, she was. She so many great yeah. roles, but they just wasted her in this movie. And I felt like she was just wasted. I Joe, like Joe, are you listening to this? No. Yeah. Are you listening Ashton to this, Kutcher Joe? Looked, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher had some work done or something. He looks weird. Really? He you not, thought he looked weird? He does not look natural. Like, maybe I haven't seen him 
in a while in something, but he looks old and like a, fa- I mean, young in a fake way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I thought several of the supporting characters were the best part. Like um, Zoe Chow and Steve Zahn were really good, but the rest of it was just so formulaic and cliche and like, the thing with his nicknames, I was just rolling my eyes. Uh, I don't know. It just it caught me so. I, I feel like since this had the potential with the big stars and a good director, yeah. and you know that it just oh man, it just was so cheesy and for, it was a disgrace to better romantic comedies. And they were never even hardly in the same place. So it's like I didn't get any chemistry from them at all. Uh, Joe, do you have a rebuttal? Wow. Shocked. <laughs> Joe. Just shocked. <laughs> We're right on the same page with Cocaine Bear. What the fuck happened to you, John? <laughs> this is the Joe I love. <laughs> You've changed, buddy. And like the little side storylines about how Never. she turned in his book. But they never really even like flesh that out. Hey, he, he should have been so pissed or something. And like, he are just, you shitting me? If somebody else fucking sold my manuscript to a publisher, dude, I'd be so hard. Yeah, but he. But it seemed like she did it against his privacy and his will, and like, and then, she did the and, exact and, same thing that he was doing with uh, with the with the kid. You know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. Rubbed me the wrong way. I mean. Sells book, gives kid a concussion. They kind of bounce each other out. <laughs> you, you fucking publish my book. You can knock one of my kids out. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed it was also produced by Jason Bateman. Again, great talent behind yeah, it. And I just yeah. think the, the talent overplays the actual result man netflix with these fucking expensive ass movies that are mediocre or just terrible we have a ghost this one (laughs) i liked we have a ghost. oh i know god (laughs) jesus christ what shows our ratings are so subjective yeah exactly (laughs) god that movie was crap john (laughs) it was crap with heart it's crap with heart (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about uh bill russell legend on netflix the the series covers uh russell's historic run with the boston celtics in the 1950s and 60s and how his experiences as an athlete inspired his activism the series also features interviews with russell's teammates and rivals nba stars like larry bird chris paul and steph curry comment on russell's legacy let me just say this about i think bill russell was an incredible human being. I really do. And uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, like what he stood for and what and what he brought to the game of basketball. Fucking legend. Uh, this documentary. What is that clicking noise? Who's playing a cassette tape over there? Uh-oh. What are you John doing to record us? What are you doing, John? I was grabbing a pen. What, the noisiest pen ever made? 
<laughs> Jesus Christ! It was, it was buried under a stack of Lego bricks. I'm gonna give a one. <laughs> I'm gonna give a one star review to Bick for their noisy ass pens. <laughs> I was checking my mic quality. It's going good. Yeah, it's picking up every fucking sound, John. <laughs> <laughs> I think I. I've always loved Bill Russell. It's like I didn't grow up during the time he played, but I've watched enough footage, and uh, I've seen enough of him show up over the like the you know the last thirty years and stuff like that to NBA events to appreciate the guy and what he's done for the the game of basketball. Uh, it's a big deal that he won eleven championship rings. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But on the flip side, the guy played when there were nine teams in the NBA and there was no, there was no free agency. Okay, so, nine teams. Yeah, there's about nine or ten teams when he was playing. That's crazy. And it was there was no free agency, so teams basically, if they had if they had a dynasty, if they had a if they had a strong team, they didn't have to trade you, and you you know your contract didn't have to like run out, and you could you know, it's not like you could jump ship like you can now. So uh, you could keep that Celtics team together. Um, and I'm not trying to, I, you know, it's an accomplishment, 11 rings. But I, I honestly think, like, you know, I put a lot more stock into, like, a lot of the dynasties. I'd say anything past, like, 1980, if, you, if, you're, if you're a player that's won five championships past 1980, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, I just don't like the way that this documentary was kind of structured. I think it was kind of dry at points. I watched the first episode. I haven't watched any more. I loved the stuff where they were talking about the rivalry between him and Wilt Chamberlain. I thought that that was incredible. I liked hearing about like his past, what he had to go through and shit like that. There's there, but there's parts in this that I think were very dry and just presented kind of boring in my opinion. Uh, It's nothing as like, you know, uh, I think they left a lot of the drama out. Like they, like when you watch, uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls, you know, fucking documentary that we've seen recently, the Lakers documentary that we've seen recently. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just think they were a lot better. Even the Shaq, doc, the Shaq documentary was better, in my opinion. I've only watched the first episode, so I haven't gone much farther into it. But it was, you know, these are a lot of, these, a lot of, you know, a lot, you know, I'm very familiar with Bob Cousy and, and uh, familiar with like the the you know the rivalry that they have with you know some of these teams and the Lakers and and his rivalry with Wilt. Um, but I'm going to give this just a just a just a standard taste. That I, it was nothing I was rushing to get back to. And I love the game of basketball. And I think Bill Russell is just an, he was an amazing human being. I just didn't think that this was the most exciting documentary I've seen. Sadly, so I'm going to taste it. Um, Joe, what'd you think about Bill Russell legend? Uh, yeah. So for me, I don't have any background at all in, in following sports of any kind. And the, the most that I know about basketball comes from really mostly these documentaries that you've put on the wit, the list over the years. And, and I've watched as a result of that. And this is another one of those that, that hooked me. I, I got to admit, I didn't really know who Bill Russell was before this. I, I don't know NBA history and all that. I, I definitely heard the name Wilt Chamberlain before, so I knew who he was. 
But all the other real principal characters in this documentary I'd never heard of before. Wilt, Wilt, Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain claims to have famously had sex with over 20,000 women, Joe. <laughs> and that's, that's how first, I knew him. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of when I saw he was in it. <laughs> I know, right? When I saw the like, young Wilt Chamberlain, I'm like, oh, that checks out. That's a handsome, big, tall dude. He was also was in uh, famous. He was also in Conan the Destroyer. With uh, Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger, yeah. man, mm-hmm. he played a great fucking, great fucking warrior in that movie, man. Great look for a fucking warrior. That's why I love seeing like these NBA stars in these movies uh, up against like you know just like real people. Like, ah, what the fuck? We're in a submarine. What the fuck? Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I lost you for a second there. Yeah. I noticed it on your end. Huh? I think our Skype connection got a little wonky yeah, there for a second. That's all right. No, uh, you ever see, uh, what was it? What was the Bruce Lee movie with fucking Kareem in it? Sorry, I'm pouring some uh, more vodka. Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. God damn it. Kareem really put some fucking work into that martial arts, man. He he really mm-hmm. did. He was one of Bruce Lee's students, too. Yeah. God damn it. Do you ever watch Different Strokes when Kareem was uh, Gary Coleman's teacher? <laughs> I don't remember those. It's fucking bizarre. That is bizarre. Guy's seven foot four and he's fucking teaching fucking fifth graders. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Anyway. Yeah, but but for me this 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 was a Tupperware. It, it did it for me. But I was also coming into this with without knowing anything. I didn't know about Bill Russell's history and, and activism and and just how incredibly fearless of a man he was to stand up for his rights. In in a a period in in America that was not at all on his side, and and the when when the him and the other players on his team were like, you know, fuck this, we're not playing, and I think it was in Kentucky, and and they were all like, no, we're not doing it. I I thought that that was incredibly brave of them to do, and with the way that that he stood up for for all of these civil rights things and and really was one of the key players in, in heralding in the civil rights movement. And on top of that, the guy was an amazing basketball player and he didn't, he didn't cater or he didn't like cave to the pressure of celebrity. He was, he kind of acknowledged it for the ridiculousness that it is. And I love that he stands by it. Like, no, I'm not signing autographs. That's fucking weird. You want my signature on a piece of paper? I'm not doing it. I think it's weird. I'm going to stand by this principle and not do it. And I, I, I commend him for doing that. Yeah. Man. Oh, what was that? Was that like in the second episode or something? Yes. It could have possibly. Been. I, I watched this back to back, so it all kind of blends together. For you know, me. there's people um, that fucking they they have they get like a like a small check from like a celebrity like Michael Jackson. They won't cash it. Oh yeah, because it has their signature. The on it. signature's worth more than the check. More, yeah. more important to them than the money. Yeah. If yeah, if yeah. I had like a Bill Russell check, like if I fucking like mowed his lawn for like thirty bucks. <laughs> Bill Russell. There was somebody on the dock that was flexing. I, I think they might have had some books or something that was signed by by Bill Russell, yeah. and, and they were flexing. And then it had a whole bunch of other celebrity cameos being like, "Yeah, I asked him for an autograph, and he was like, no." And I kind of laughed it off, like, okay, but no, seriously, sign this. And he's like, no, legit, I'm not signing this for you, dude. Like celebrities asking him to sign shit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, yeah, damn, dude. Books. Actually, he was, he was bragging about not getting them signed. That's oh, real? Is that yeah, what it was? He, yeah, he stated it like it was a bragging point. He was like, yeah, I've got all these books not signed by Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. And I loved it when they talked about how – 
people were almost a little bit scared or put off by him, but like they would they would know that if he liked him when he was fucking with him and he would have that big cackle, like bellowing laugh that he would do. I love somebody with a great big laugh like that. Um I I just this is one of those things where it's basketball's a world that that I only touch when there's a documentary that's out, and generally the documentaries work for me, dude. Because these basketball documentaries, this, they tell a dramatic story. And when it's centered on a champion, how is that not going to be an uplifting and amazing story? And so yeah. for me, this was another basketball documentary that even though I'm not a fan of the sport, I know fucking next to nothing about it. Man, every time I watch one of these documentaries, they just really affect me. And I feel like this is another story very well told about a very amazing man. And it was well deserved. I, I think they probably could have easily done more than two episodes on this, but I loved the two episodes I got. Oh, it was so only two episodes. I should have watched the fucking yeah. second episode then. Jesus. Yeah, you. I think you'll like it, dude. Yeah. Just give it a watch. For for me, this is another Tupperware. But also for me, I'm coming from a place where I didn't know anything about any of this shit before I jumped into it. I think when I was talking about this on previous episodes, I didn't even get the guy's fucking name right. So I mean, this is not. Yeah, you fucking. I, I was talking to you like over the phone, and you said something about like, oh, I watched that first episode of the Bill Simmons doc. I did. I'm not gonna lie. At the beginning of this episode, I took a post-it and I wrote Bill Russell in giant fucking bold letters, and I put yeah. it on my monitor. <laughs> Fucking give this man the honor that's due yeah. and get his fucking name right, Stark. Even though, but you know, I don't have this history with basketball. I don't. I didn't. I didn't grow up having these people as my heroes and stuff. I'm fucking fat white kid in Iowa. I'm not a basketball player by any means, but I love a fucking good story, and that's what these basketball documentaries bring to the table. Yeah, amazing stories. And this guy's life was fucking storied, dude. Did, did I mean, you see that? Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by the life that this guy lived, and it saddens me that I didn't know about him until after his death. I'm, you know, that's why I'm so glad that I put this on the list then, because I think, I think more people should know about, you know, the legend that was Bill Russell. Like, the, you know, fucking, the guy had more championship rings than fingers, you know? Yeah, that's incredible. You know, that ju- is an incredible feat. One of my favorite posters of Michael Jordan is the, you know, the poster where he's wearing all six rings, but it's like... You know, nobody there. I don't think we'll ever see another player with 11 rings, 11 no, championship no. rings. Well, especially with what you were saying about it's just a very different league now. Yeah. But even back then, you know, when Bill Russell started, it was they they talked about some ratio that that it was kind of an unspoken agreement that these teams. I mean, it's like, dude, heaven forbid you put a black guy on the team. But if you're going to only one. Yeah. And, and this this coach of the of the uh, the. Was it the Celtics? Yep. This coach of the Celtics was like, you know, hey, fuck that. It's all about winning. And and didn't he field the first team in the NBA where all five of the starters were black? And it's like, yeah, dude, fucking meritocracy. If you've got the skills to come in and dominate in this game, let these men play. And I applaud them for that. This was an eye-opening documentary on multiple levels for me. And I'm so happy you put it on the list. Yeah. Oh my God. You see that they uh, Wilson just came out with a 3D printed basketball that you never have to inflate. What? That's wild. It has the same bounce hmm. properties and everything. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, that's the claim. Yeah, I just saw the article this week. Wilson, uh, it's a 3D printed basketball that you never have to inflate. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like it, it's a it's like a it looks like a charcoal gray bla- uh, basketball. It's like a it's like a black and white 
kind of basketball. It's wild. I never seen anything like it in my life. Anyway, yeah, I I loved. Uh, they were playing the Lakers, and you could hear the Lakers commentator like back in the fifties and sixties, and it was fucking Chick Hearn. And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember still fucking watching Lakers games in like the early two thousand, like late nineties, early two thousands, and it was still Chick Hearn. Holy yeah. shit, that guy hung on. That's incredible. Yeah, he was there for a long time. He was there for a long time. Um, Dre, who's better, Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain? Ooh. I mean, here's the thing. It's like stats. You can always say Wilt Chamberlain. And they, and they never, and they, you know, back in the day, they'd never, they, they used to not count rebounds. Can you imagine what right. Wilt Chamberlain's rebounds would, would be? Yeah, well, if, Wilt's numbers would have been yeah. crazy. Oh, man. I if you want to go by pure talent, I would probably say Wilt was the better player. I agree. But if you factor in overall greatness, yeah. then it's clearly Bill Russell. Yeah, like Bill Russell, if you if, like if you like if you're a teammate of Bill Russell's, yeah, you're yeah, happy it, that you 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 want that guy in your team. He's like he's a team player. Yeah, he's a team player. He's making everybody better, but yeah. Wilt was a single dominant force before Shaq. Yeah. God, that's like that's the thing. Like, uh, I would like I would love to, uh, I would love to see some of these athletes in the prime go against each other. I've always wondered, like, you know, who would have been, who would have, who would have won in their prime, you know, one on one, Shaq or Wilt, uh, Mm -hmm. Mike Tyson or Ali, you know, George Foreman and Tyson, you know, in their prime, who would have won? Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see like uh, Kobe and Jordan go head to head. Um, yeah, because we we got him in the NBA, but by then Jordan was kind of on the tail end of his career. Yeah, and Kobe was just getting started. So well, yeah, yeah, Jordan's last year was two thousand two, and then Kobe came in the league in two thousand three. But Jordan was like, you know, he was on his last legs with the Wizards. He was still yeah. doing some amazing shit in his forties for the Wizards. Yeah. Well, no, Kobe came in before 2003. Kobe came in in like no, no. 90s. Oh, Kobe. I'm talking LeBron. I'm sorry. I oh, was yeah, talking yeah, LeBron. LeBron. LeBron yeah. Kobe came in in '96. Right. Right. Mm. Anyway, what do you think about Bill Russell legend, Dre? Um, I give it a high tasted. I think this is a great documentary about Bill Russell for anyone who doesn't already know his story, which I think is why. Joe loved it so much as somebody who doesn't know his story, then yeah, this is a great documentary for people like myself and you who are sports fans and are more familiar with the story of Bill Russell. It did personally leave me kind of wanting a bit more like there was, I didn't get much out of this documentary that I didn't already know about, you know, his playing career and his run with the Celtics getting like 11 championships in 13 years. And, eight straight these are things that i already knew yeah i kind of wish they would have focused more on his life outside of basketball that's the like, shit i love dude like the yeah. like, like i'm sorry to cut you off it's like like finding out about like you know his mother dying and like him him being raised by his father you know yeah yeah like to me the most interesting parts in this was like when he decided to go do that basketball camp in uh what was it alabama in the middle of the civil rights movement I kind of wish they would have focused on things like that a bit more and kind of his his role during that time period. Because when you think about the civil rights movement and and athletes from that time, most of the names who pop up are usually the Muhammad Ali's, yeah. the uh, Jim Browns and people's like that. Bill Russell kind of gets mentioned, but not as much, even though he played a, a big role in that time, 
during that time period of the civil rights movement as one of the premier athletes. And I kind of wish they would have talked about that more. Um, but yeah, if you don't know anything about him, this is a great documentary yeah. to learn about him and get introduced to this character, to the, I keep saying character, to this man and all that he was in his life. And I loved hearing that Bill Russell laughed that, yeah, if you've heard it once, you immediately know it when you hear it. Yeah. That's, that's iconic with him. <laughs> And, it's sad yeah. though. It's like you know, it's one of those guys where it's like you know they had like the uh, um, the NBA at fifty, the NBA at seventy five. It's like mm-hmm. it's like you always look forward to seeing that Bill Russell appearance. You yeah, know? yeah. You always loved seeing him at the end of the uh, NBA Finals, yes. where um, he would give out the um, Finals MVP award that's been named after him now. Yeah. He's yeah, and it's, it's kind of going to be bittersweet this season. Yeah, when that, that happens, especially if not to get too far off the subject, but if the season goes the way it looks like it's going, that Boston might actually make a run this year. Man, yeah, he uh, Bill Russell's missed, man. He's 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 missed. He was he's definitely a legend in the game. Uh, John, what'd you think about Bill Russell legend? I'm glad I got to hear all three of you talk about it first because I think. It's a very good display of how much you're going to enjoy this based on your basketball knowledge. I think I'm somewhere in between uh, Brian and Dre and Joe. Like, I'm a very casual basketball fan. Um, You know, I followed the Bulls. I, I was, you know, pretty young. You know, I was only like nine in 1992. But, you know, I followed them. I remember a lot of the teammates' names and stuff. And, and then I really didn't watch any pro basketball again until the Warriors started um, doing well because I went to school with Sean Livingston, who was on the team, and my mom. Yeah, he's from Peoria. I, I, I uh, did you did you ever talk to him? No, I was not. I'm not going to pretend I was friends with him. I met I, I met to, him. I was at school with him at the same time as he was there, yeah. and so it's just kind of crazy. Um, I met him. I used to work with a lady that would. Uh, I used to work with a lady that she said, "Yeah, Sean Livingston. That's my. That's my nephew." Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> she and so nobody believed her. So I I went to a car dealership and he was signing, and I was like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this lady?" And he's like, he's like, no, I don't know her. And I'm like, <laughs> she's, a she's running a grift. Fucking liar. Yeah. You never met Sean Livingston in her life. Anyway, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. That's awesome. No, anyway. So, yeah. So really the only other team I followed is the Warriors. And, and um, you know, it's mainly just following their team and their players. But anyway, so for me, this was a Tupperware because I did not know a whole lot about Bill Russell. Um, I remember saying to my dad before I watched this, I was like, was he a player or a coach? Because I remember, I know he was a big name. And my dad was like, he was definitely a player, but maybe he was a coach too. He was a player coach. Yeah, this is my first introduction to the word player coach. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you could be a player and a coach at the same time. So that was fascinating to me. Uh, it's extremely rare. Like, it, it, did, it wasn't Magic Johnson a player coach at one time? Yeah, he, during his uh, second run with yeah. the Lakers, yeah. I think he briefly was a player coach, but that was only for like a couple of games. Exactly. Whereas Bill yeah. Russell did it for the whole season. Yeah. And I, it kind of gets understated. Sorry to you know jump over you, but no. he was the first 
black coach of a major professional sports team. Yeah. And like, that's a point, part of history that just kind of gets overlooked. Yeah. I had that in my notes too. But anyway, yeah, I loved, I, I, I guess maybe because I didn't know so much. It was just learning all this stuff at once. It was, it blew my mind. Like him being the first person who was like jumping for, uh, as a defensive player jumping, like it wasn't, like etiquette to jump when you were defending people before him. That blew my mind. And um, yeah, all the stuff about the civil rights stuff. I think maybe some people might have checked out on that a little bit if you aren't as interested in that stuff. But to me, it was very interesting. It was like I was getting a mini history lesson in there with it. And um, they focused on Wilt Chamberlain a little more than I thought they would too. Like, uh, So they sidetracked a little bit, but it was all stuff that I really thought was interesting and I was never bored. And the second part was probably better than the first. I wish maybe they had shortened it and kind of made it one episode, but there was so much to tell that would have been hard. But that was one of my things. That was one of my problems with the first episode was like, you know, yeah, I love hearing about Wilt and their rivalry, but I felt like a lot of that first episode, it was like a mini Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, they went into it a little bit. Yeah, too much. Like, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely check it out. If you don't know anything about Bill Russell, even if you're not a fan of basketball, the dude fucking, you know, massive fucking legend in the NBA, massive legend for civil rights, and it, just a all around good dude. So check it out, um, Bill Russell legend oh. on Netflix. Yes. One more thing, as a psychology major, I thought it was really cool how he talked about how he could visualize the court very differently than players at the time where he was actually like uh planning stuff out in his mind how smart he was like he was like he was queen's gambiting that shit yes 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 yes. it was an art it was like an art and it was he turned it into like he was the first person i think they talked about how smart he was playing yeah you think about great minds in basketball you think about you know like i think People don't put Bill Russell into that equation. They really should. Like, you know, I always, you know, I thought Phil Jackson was a great coach, but I think like the real mastermind behind the Bulls was Tex Winter, the creator of the triangle offense. And, uh, you know, so I don't think, you know, it's funny how history remembers certain people. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's like, it it takes a group, you know, I mean, it takes a village Mm -hmm. sometimes. Thanks, Hillary Clinton. No politics. (laughs) God damn it. No politics. You can think it, just don't say it. All right. Strike that. You can edit that out. I, it's Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm going to get a one star over that. Thanks, John. <laughs> Everything was going good till they mentioned that politician. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. All right, let's talk about Dear Edward on Apple TV Plus. A 12 year old boy becomes the lone survivor of a plane crash as he and others are. As he and others affected by the tragedy try to make sense of what happened, unexpected friendships, romances, and communities are formed. It's developed by Jason Katims based on the novel of the same name by Anne. Napolitano. That's my favorite flavor ice cream. Neapolitano. Was it uh, The Simpsons where he would only eat the chocolate or something? Like, (laughs) 
it's so <laughs> they. Well, that's how it goes in my house. It's like the chocolate's the last one to get eaten. <laughs> I just remember, like, I think it was an episode of The Simpsons where you know that's all he would eat, and so like the joke was like, why doesn't he just buy chocolate ice cream? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you saw like all these empty, like all these cartons of fucking like uh, you know, ice cream that just had the chocolate eaten in them. That's <laughs> so funny. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I was just saying that for the joke. That is in no means my favorite ice cream flavor. Now, what is your favorite ice cream flavor, Joe? Uh, actually, really a big fan of cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. If if it's just something I'm buying, you know, like off the shelf or something like that, yeah. yeah. Anderson Erickson cookies and cream, that is fucking really special. But I've kind of had to get away from, from ice cream. It's like the older I get, the less the less my stomach agrees with ice cream. So Yeah. Uh, I've been uh, the 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 only ice cream I eat is I pick up. Uh, it's called. Uh, what are they, oh fuck! What is it called? Yeah, it's called Little Sammy's. It's ice cream sandwiches, and they got zero grams of sugar in it. Oh, nice! Oh man, are you telling me there's guilt-free ice cream out there? It, I need yeah, to try this. It, well, you can get Halo Top. Halo Top, I think, is pretty. They've got keto-friendly flavors. You got to leave them out a little bit. They're a little hard when you first try to eat them, so you want to let them sit out on the table, on the counter a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, that reduced sugar content, and yeah. it makes it freeze a lot harder. Yeah, but the Little Sammy. That's why, that's little why I don't jive with, like, Powerade Zero. It's because, for me, a Powerade is fucking delicious when it's partially frozen in your freezer, and Powerade Zero just doesn't freeze the right way. So I can't do it. All right. I know. I'm glad I shared this. I'm glad you did too. I'm glad you. I'm glad we've wasted everyone's time here today. (laughs) People like anyway. Talk about Dear Edward. What the fuck, Stark? I don't know. Yeah, should we talk about Dear? I didn't really like this, Uh, dude. This sort of content just isn't for me. Me either. I'll, I'll jump into this one right away. It is. I watched the first episode of this and. The the whole hook on this show is that there's going to be a plane crash and there's only going to be one survivor and see this kid Edward, and this whole first episode, they're giving you backstories and family and and friend connections and everything with all these different people that are doomed to die, and then it builds up to the end of this episode where this plane is crashing, and I was a mess by the end of this episode. I was crying so hard. Because the performances in this, I was fucking believing it. I was on uh, – what a terrible pun. I was on board with everything that was fucking going on with this movie. And when it was all – Jesus, I'm going to do it again. When it was all going down at the end, <laughs> I couldn't take it. Like I was crying so fucking hard. My emotions just crashed and burned. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I, I I only wish I'd have thought of it uh, myself. But um, th- th- I mean, this for me, this is a taste it because I couldn't make it past the first episode. But it had nothing to do with the writing, yeah. the performances, anything. All of that is great. This just isn't my flavor of ice cream. Yeah, I, I can't get no. into stuff that's going to emotionally destroy me like this. It's I'm I'm too empathetic. I get too affected by it, and. I was uh, my fucking heart was broken for every single character they made me come to love and then ripped away from me by the end of this episode. I'm in the same boat. It's a, it's a taste that I couldn't get past the first episode. I, I watched the first episode and I didn't want to watch anymore. It was just like I just I don't need to watch something that's just going to rip my fucking heart out. They, exactly, dude. You know, like the girl who's going to be an actor. You got uh, you know. 
um, that yeah, Edward and his uh, his brother and uh, the the family there, and it's like I don't know, man. I, I it just uh, I just got too emotional at the end of it, and I was just like, uh, I can't. Do <laughs> it was it, you know. it was just far too real. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Where it was like, I mean, because everything in this is, I mean, like like a lot of the programming on Apple TV Plus, it is. What they don't have in quantity, they make up for in quality. Yeah. Because the, the performances, every, the production value, everything in this show is fucking top notch. And, man, if you're the sort of stuff that you like, you like entertainment that is going to fucking destroy you emotionally. If you're a huge fan of, like, Manchester by the Sea, this is for you. You're going to love <laughs> this. Gather up, uh, like. Well, see, Manchester uh, by the Sea, though, it was like a two-hour investment and it was over. This is a series. Yeah, it's a series. So every week it's going to come and rip your heart out anew. So every week and another plane is going to get that gonna... Afghan that mom and, that Nana knitted you and get ready to have a good cry because that's what this show is going to do for you. Every week another plane crashes. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you we haven't seen the last of this plane crash, but maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Apple TV, I'm still loving Shrinking. Oh, Shrinking continues to be an amazing show. Mm-hmm. And another show that brings me to tears, but for an entirely different reason. It brings me to happy tears. Whereas this is grief-stricken, emotional, sad tears that, yeah. that don't leave me feeling happy. I'm <laughs> with show, you. This show destroyed me emotionally. Yeah. John, what would you think about uh, Dear Edward? Well, I watched all 800 episodes. and No, I watched three. But... It was pretty good. I actually, at the first episode, I was going to say I taste it because it was a little melodramatic and there's, I don't know, a little bit too much uh, sadness for me. But then it gets lighter in the second and third episodes and you start liking the characters more and there's a lot of drama. I feel like this is a typical like what would have been on like ABC primetime Thursday night drama, like hour long drama on ABC, you know, it doesn't have any edge to it. Like, a, you know, like a Apple show might have, but it was so good. And I think I settled on a high taste it, um, but I don't know if I'd watch any more or not. Okay. Yeah. Trey, what'd you think about Dear Edward? Um, I watched the first two episodes of it, and after the first two, I'm at a Tupperware with it. And yes, like y'all said, it is very much a heavy show. The first episode, like, you know the premise of the show. You know it's about a plane crash. So the first episode, you know, is building up to that plane crash. And yet still, when it happens, yeah, I'm just tears streaming down the face. It's just an emotional whoopstick to my feelings, and I'm just a mess as this plane is crashing. But once you get past that and then into the second episode, it deals with, you know, the aftermath and obviously the kid Edward, who's the survivor and then other surrounding people connected to uh, the victims of the plane crash. Yeah, the show does lighten up a bit. It doesn't go like, you know, full happy mode or either. It still has its emotional moments in it that are still still get you in your feelings, but nowhere near as hard, at least for me, as the first episode. And it, after the second one, I'll almost wanted to immediately start playing the third one, but ran out of time and couldn't. But yeah, I kind of want to keep watching the show and see um, how these uh, story develops with all the different characters around the show. They all have um, interesting stories in their own um, unique way. 
It's not just everybody just dealing with, you know, grief and sad and loss of love and all that stuff. Like each character kind of has a different arc somehow connected to someone who uh, they lost in the crash. But they're all, again, very interesting to me. So, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's the Tupperware for me. Yeah, Tupperware. You should keep watching the third episode. I think after the third, it definitely gets better, if nothing else. And the side stories are all very interesting, which sometimes you don't care about some of those things. And it's just background. But after that, I don't know. The first episode was just kind of cliche. And then after that, I just started getting into it. Yeah, see, me and Joe just couldn't stick with it after that first episode. (laughs) It just fucking it just kicked me in the dick. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah Dre gives it a fucking Tupperware. And, and also, I feel like I would love to see like uh, Dre make the uh, poster, have the quote on there, an emotional whoopstick to your feelings. <laughs> Whoop- <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was great. That was that was like that's like like that should be on the poster for fucking Dear Edward, an emotional whoopstick to your feelings. Yeah, <laughs> Dre Moore, pop culture leftovers. <laughs> the, that Tupperware rating doesn't surprise me on this yeah. at all. Yeah, it doesn't. Because yeah. I mean, this. This was a fan. I mean, it's every there. There's nothing wrong with this show. There, there is more. I guess you could say there's something wrong with me, but I don't want to touch that side of my. Uh, uh, I don't want to open up that fucking floodgate and and just cry for another hour. Joe would have Tupperware it if Reese Witherspoon would have fell in love with somebody on the fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> like a little more lighthearted. He'd have yeah. tossed it if she'd have been on the plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that fucking Tupperware it though. Yeah, yeah, that make that makes sense though. I think this show is kind of <laughs> contingent on your capacity to handle the emotional weight of it. Yeah. If you're one of those people who can't handle shows like that, then it's probably not for you. Yeah, I can somebody... handle I can handle emotional shit. I just wasn't in the mood for it that day. You know, yeah. like... some more dramatic things in the storyline start happening after the second episode. It gets kind of soap opery in a good way. Connie Britton, I think, is a standout. I fucking she love was, her. Oh, yeah. She, she was incredible in that first has, season of White Lotus. Ah, she was Sorry, great Stephanie. in fucking uh, Friday Night Lights. That's where I fell in love with Connie Britton. Yeah, she's very comforting to watch, and she has a little bit more to, uh, a little bit more in the second and third episode. So, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, but yeah. I mean, it, it does kind of come across as a little bit of a bummer first episode, and it's hard to want to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's no way I can go back to it, but but I, I don't want to take away from the thing at all. It's just that me yeah. personally, I can't handle storytelling like this. But, man, this is going to have an audience out there because it's very well done. Yeah, dear Edward. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to have an audience. Dear Edward, I'm done with your show. <laughs> Sincerely, Sincerely Leftover Brian Leftover Brian <laughs> P.S. Joe says more Reese Witherspoon Yes please <laughs> Sweet hello Sweet home Alabama Yeah Oh boy Alright Hello tomorrow This is uh, dropped on Also on Apple TV Plus uh, Set in a retro future world Hello tomorrow Centers around the Who's flipping through the? Who's flipping through their memoirs right now? Oh my god! <laughs> god damn it! No, it's old school. Yeah, I know. It, 
I remember Leftover Jay, when we first started the podcast, Leftover Jay, I always find it so funny that he, he hand wrote his notes yeah, for the show. I I'm joking. <laughs> I I I, pick, I picture you uh, with with like a uh, with like a fucking like one of those oil lamps, and you've got you've got your quill and you've got your, like your little bottle of ink. He's with a feather. He's with a little feather, mm-hmm. and you're fucking you're writing your notes underneath the dimly lit you know oil lamp. You know, <laughs> a little bit of candle wax in your stamp of sealed envelope. <laughs> Can we take a break? My ink's dry. <laughs> I gotta refill my ink well. <laughs> anyway, hello tomorrow. Yeah, I heard the, the the flipping of the pages there, man. It's setting a retro. Replace the uh, whale fat in my lantern. Yeah. <laughs> well, this show flipped my pages. So. <laughs> wow. Set in the retro future world, Hello Tomorrow centers around a group of traveling salesmen hawking lunar timeshares. Billy Crudup stars as Jack, a salesman of great talent and ambition whose unshakable faith in a brighter tomorrow inspires his co-workers, revitalizes his desperate customers, but threatens to leave him dangerously lost in the very dream that sustains him. Wow, that's deep. Jesus Christ. Whew. Yeah, Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, uh, he played uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen movie, and he also played uh, the Flash's father in uh, in uh, Zack Snyder's, uh, was, was that Batman v. Superman? That's right. Yeah. So, curiously, he had a big blue dick in both roles. Yes, he did. Giant blue <laughs> penis in both of them. Um, he got replaced by, uh, what's his name, from Office Space. Is it John Livingston? What's his name? That's right. It was John Livingston. Yeah, he got replaced. John Livingston's going to be the Flash's father in the in the new Flash movie. Yeah, Billy Crudup is in this one. Hank Azaria, uh, Allison Pill, Jackie Weaver, uh, Hanifa Wood, uh, Nicholas Padani, uh, uh, Duchesne Williams. Um, yeah, this is weird. It's like a, it looks like it's a '50s world, but there's also like a futuristic spin to it. Like the best kind of comparison I can give to it is kind of like the look of like a sky captain in the world tomorrow, like that Jude Law movie, but le- I guess less futuristic. Um, but it's like um, it, it it reminds you of like what the '50s told you the future was going to be. What the fuck? Oh, that's a great way to put it. I think it's Jetsons and Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, Jetsons yeah. and Mad Men. Yep, that's good too. You know, so basically, he's selling. Uh, Billy Crudup's character of Jack is is selling uh, uh, homes that people can live in on the moon. So people are living on the moon, and uh, this is a wild show. Four episodes are released. Uh, they drop on Fridays and, uh, I've watched all four episodes. I'm not loving this show, but I don't hate it. It's weird. It's, it, it keeps me watching. There's, I don't, you've, you've got a guy here who, uh, um, you find out that there's a, there's a woman at the beginning of this where it's weird. There's this, um, kind of like almost like an Amazon delivery truck, but it's 
it looks like the Vlasic pickle stork in a. Is... <laughs> yes, it's it's like the the windshield on the front is like a screen, and there's yeah. like an animated stork behind it that's driving the thing. Yeah, and then there's like this. There's this malfunction that happens where where the he drops off a package to this woman's house and it goes to drive back from her to 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 leave her driveway to go back on the road but there's a guy walking his or a robot walking a dog and he doesn't want to hit the dog so he backs up and the woman comes out to get her package and then the truck slams her into her garage and puts her in a coma and you find out that she was at one time, 20 years prior, the wife of Billy Crudup's character. And he left his family and you find out that uh, his son, his son basically goes to work for him as a salesman. His son has no idea that the guy that he's working for is his father. They start to create like this. He starts to create this bond with this boy. And I don't know. There's all these other things that are going on in this show. It is a weird premise for a show. I, I'm, I'm kind of hooked into watching it, but I don't love it. I'm at a, I'm at a taste it. I just think it is so different than anything that else that I've ever seen. And I love Hank Azaria. So, I'm going to continue to watch it, but I'm not, it's not the best thing I've ever, I don't know how to describe this show. I'm just at a taste that, I don't know. Joe, what do you think about Hello Tomorrow? Dude, I'm in the exact same place as you are with yeah. this. I watched the first three episodes. I watched them all in a row and I saw that the fourth one is available and I was like, I just can't, I can't do a fourth one right now. And then I didn't end up getting back to it, but I'm in that exact same place where it's like, it's not a bad show. I don't dislike it. But I'm also not in love with it. But the show and the characters in it are in the plot that's going is just curious enough to where it's making me want to stick around and see what's going on. And and I've had this feeling, especially about Billy Crudup's character from the very first episode. And it's like each successive episode, this initial feeling I've had about him has been more and more cemented into place to where now at three episodes in, I'm like, yeah, my initial ins- my initial impression of this character is absolutely correct. That's what's going on. And really the side characters in this are 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 the interesting part to this the the more interesting part to this to me. Because these people that work with him, like Hank Azari's character, I've never seen Hank Azari play a character like this. And he's playing this real like scoundrel, kind of degenerative, degenerative gambler that's also like a traveling salesman. And it's 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 a great role. He's really knocking it out of the park with it. And then there's the other kind of new guy on the team that's got the pregnant wife at home, but he's the traveling salesman. There's the the housewife that was talked into accepting or buying into this thing. And now she's not quite seeing it the way she wants. There's the weird government agent type guy that's like giving forms to everybody for shit to fill out. I know he's going to play into this a lot more, especially I think with Allison Pills character as it goes along. So I'm, this thing is slowly building steam for me, but it didn't, it didn't really set its hooks in me really deeply from the start, but, but I'm also not ambivalent about it. And, and the world that it sets up here is really weird. It's like a bunch of 1950s bullshit where it's like, if the world is really this advanced, why are we hearkening back to the 50s for all this stuff? So it's it's clearly stylized in this way where it's like, imagine like a late 50s model Cadillac 
just take the wheels off it and make it so it flies. That's exactly what the cars look like. Or imagine like the way that NASA at Mission Control was talking to the Apollo satellites. Like that's what the computers are like in this, even though they're actually super advanced and there's people living on the moon in this. So it, it's like it's set in this fantastical futuristic setting that also has lots of like old timey throwbacks in it. But it is a very modern society where there are people colonizing the moon and living on it. And there is this advanced technology. It just looks really old timey. But all the people that are in it are still behaving in a way that is very reminiscent to the way that people has probably behaved since the, the dawn of fucking civilization, where there's going to be people out there that – Maybe they start to blur the line between what is a salesman and what is a con man. And and I think this movie's great. And the heart that they're building into it between the different side characters and with Billy Crudup and and his son that doesn't realize that Billy Crudup's actually his dad. I know that there's gonna be some 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 big stuff that's gonna happen as a result of that. I mean, it's just built into the plot line that eventually this kid's gonna find out the truth. And is this budding relationship he's building with his dad going to be strong enough to weather that storm? We'll have to see. Um, I I really like seeing Billy Crudup in another Apple TV Plus show. I'm a big fan of his role that he plays as the network exec in in the morning show. And I think that Apple TV must be pretty happy with the job that Billy Crudup is doing to, to make him front and center of this show right here. And so... I do plan on continuing on this show. I, I hope that it picks up a little bit more steam and it can get me a little bit more interested. But otherwise, I just got high hopes for this cast that it's going to uh, hit overall with maybe maybe other people. It's going to hit a little bit harder than it hit with me and you, Brian, because um, I love Billy Crudup and I, I just want to see him be successful because I do tend to like him in the stuff I've seen him in. Uh, the fourth episode doesn't do anything more than the first three, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. I mean, because how many is this going to be? Like maybe 10? Probably. Yeah. John, what'd you think about it? Knock, knock. Who's there? A Tupperware for Hello Tomorrow. <laughs> Hey, hit with John. Good. Oh my Tupperware God! I, I can't. Out, I can't wait for your podcast. <laughs> There's no end to the joke. <laughs> just stop I can't wait for your podcast called Knock Knock. Who's there? Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're starting, uh, John. I love this. Can I be your first guest on your podcast, John? A hundred percent. And it'll start out with like Knock Knock. Who's there? And it'll be like Brian. I'm your guest this week. Yes, we'll have to work on that. No, I was hey, we got fuck you. Fuck you. It's a good start. <laughs> John's gonna help you punch that up, really coming hot. I, you know, I was just hey, I was just working the pulse of knock knock jokes. I was just workshopping it a little bit, okay? All right. It's not a final draft. Yes and energy. Yeah, don't get me started on your mom. All right. What did you think about Hello Tomorrow? You, you Tupperware? Yeah. I, after the first episode, I was in a high-tasted territory. But after I, I've seen three and uh, three and a half, and I would have watched more. I just I just ran out of time. Um, the production <laughs> design on this TV show is ridiculous. Like yeah. it should win production design for mixing. The 50s and 60s vibe with future, how they thought the future would have been. 
in, you know, by the 50s or 60s. Oh, man, it was just fascinating to me. The typewriter that they he talked into and yeah. all the devices, yeah. the um, video calls, how they were in black and white, but they were like, you know, future technology. I don't know. I just loved, 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 loved like the because it was so colorful, but it was in the future, whereas most a lot of movies in the future, it's just so dull and like, you know, um, I don't know, just like not lifelike and no color and just all like silver. And this movie just, it was in the future, but it had all this color and I really liked it. I really like, this was the only thing I've watched in the past few weeks that there was no weak acting link in it. Like Jackie Weaver was great. Alison Pill, who I didn't even know before this as a kind of a side character was great. Um, Hank Azaria was maybe not even used as much as he should have been. Like his character quite maybe wasn't as quirky as I wanted, but everyone else was good. I, I just thought it was great. I really liked it. Holy shit. Yeah, Dre, what'd you think? Um, I'm at a high taste it with it. Um, like I said, that, that retro futurism aesthetic that they have in the show, it's an interesting visual for it, which makes the show very beautiful to look at. And, for nothing else um it conveniently the fact that they kind of chose to go with that conveniently leaves some holes that allow the plot to move forward that i I, is what i kind of noticed after watching three episodes um i appreciate the attention to detail also with the retrofuturism in terms of like even small things that you might not think about that they kind of pay attention to like the 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 first episode when they have the the uh, the truck that's going down the street with the animated animation on the windshield and it still has yes. that that 50 style back old school animation look to it and the details were so good yeah yeah they definitely paid attention to details in the in this episode um the first episode after that one i was just kind of curious about the show and by episode two i was it kind of had me in and i was ready to watch the rest of me keep going it's like you know, the first episode, you just kind of start the car. By episode two, you've kind of put the car in gear, and now we're rolling. And now it kind of gets going for me. So I'm. Um, it's like y'all said, it does just enough to make you want to keep watching. And that's that's where it's at with me. Um, so yeah, I'm at a high taste. It it's it's good. It I'm hooked into it to keep going and see it through to the end. But I'm not necessarily like completely blown away. I love how it's only 30 minutes an episode. I hate how I hate how I'm out of vodka right now. <laughs> oh shit! You come over here. I've got some. God damn it! Yeah, shit, man. Fuck. Hello, tomorrow when I can fucking go buy more vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I got beer in the fridge, but. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go from vodka to beer. You know what I mean? Feels like you know, a downgrade. Yeah, it feels like a downgrade. Yeah, it's better Not to do it that way than the other direction, though. That's <laughs> true. That's true. I don't know. God, I just wish I had more vodka. I'd sleep so good tonight if I had more vodka. Like I could, I could go to bed right now. Like I can. I can. You guys just finish the podcast, and I'll I'll edit. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're like, what, a quarter of the way through Good Pop, Bad Pop at this point? Yeah. No yeah. shit. God damn it. <laughs> Got three more fucking things to talk about. God damn. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I apologize. God damn. Well, one of my favorite books is Hello Vodka. It's me, Chelsea. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> Who's there? More vodka, hopefully. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i mean i wish amazon had those drones because i would order some right now and have it here in like 15 minutes i was gonna say how quickly can you postmate some vodka to your door yeah exactly speaking of hello tomorrow how long will it be before we do have drones delivering us stuff i don't i don't think we'll ever have drones delivering us stuff i don't think I think like yeah, you like yeah, I was working on it. It's gonna yeah, but like you can't tell me in the garage. You can't tell me some fucking like Duck Dynasty looking guys like in fucking you know where Trevor's from in Mississippi aren't trying to shoot those things down. Yeah, oh, yeah. without a doubt, that is one hundred percent what's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, it'll definitely be a, yeah. If they ever do it, it'll be a limited rollout in like large cities or certain areas where they know it's safe before they roll it out to the rural areas well the first time one of these fucking things like come down and like hit a child oh yeah you know first time that battery dies in mid-flight and that bitch crashes exactly in the state and somebody <laughs> yeah it just fucking you know you've got a you know just fucking somebody's box of fucking whatever the fuck they ordered mm-hmm. from amazon what did i what did i get today i what did i get today i got some energy drinks from amazon today and i got a, a copy of the last starfighter on blu-ray because you can't oh nice you can't watch last starfighter anywhere it's not available you have to buy it digitally yeah, yeah. there's a lot of those movies like that they you're fucked unless you yeah. just buy it and they had it on sale it was like 60 percent off it was the 25th anniversary uh, edition blu-ray and it was like 6.99 Oh, score. You know, going back and watching it, Joe, I have a lot of nostalgia for The Last Starfighter. I watched it before we recorded. Got a lot of nostalgia for that movie. But watching it now as an adult, it's really not that good. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of things that just live better in your your childhood memory. But but it's still cool to own it and have it on your shelf. And also, that's a score only paying six or seven dollars. Exactly. Six or seven bucks to own it. Physical copy. Yeah. Yeah. That's way more exciting than like I'm waiting on Amazon right now to deliver me some wool socks tomorrow. So way more exciting than what I got coming in. Oh, God. You got wool socks. It's the Midwest. It's cold. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in the Midwest. I don't have wool socks. Dude, wool socks are a fucking game. Changer. Oh my wool, god, they are. Anything in cold weather is a game changer. Yeah. I would I want to I just want to plant my There are days I just want to plant my fucking foot in a sheep's ass. It's so cold. <laughs> you got to get yes. wool, dude. Especially that base layer. You sweat into it. If you sweat into cotton, you, it's it's not going to keep you warm. You sweat into wool, it's going to continue to keep you warm. Ah, this has been That's what jo- it's all about. This has been Joe Stark's Wool Corner. That's right. I will, I will fucking keep you alive in the woods. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> wool Joe. Who's there? Wolverine. It's, it's, he's, he's got like these wool slip-on covers to his claws. <laughs> 
This episode is the dumbest thing we've ever recorded. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so, so <laughs> stupid. Dre's like, what the fuck are these idiots talking about? <laughs> hey, what? Next time he's a little chilly, he might be wanting some wool socks. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by wool socks. <laughs> brought to you by smart wool. <laughs> stretchy wool. Uh you remember? Remember? Uh, did you do you like last uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Oh my god! Yeah, that movie's fantastic. You kept saying wool. I kept thinking about fucking Spicoli singing "Wooly Bully" at the end of that movie. <laughs> Spicoli, <laughs> the original Stoner character. Oh, he was so good, man. Sean Penn yeah, was so was. good in that movie. I love that movie. <sighs> Millennium Bugs. Uh, Connor from Cinefied.com reached out to me. He's, uh, he's in contact with this director. And uh, he asked me to review this movie on the show. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. So he gave us, uh, he gave us access uh, to the movie. And uh, it's set in the days leading up to the year 2000. Uh, Kelly and Miguel find themselves facing mounting pressures and the harsh realities of their future. It's written and directed by Alejandro Montoya Marin. And it stars uh, Katie Aaron as Kelly and Michael Lovato as Miguel. And uh, it's set three days before the end of the 20th century. So, like, we're going into Y2K. What I liked about this movie in particular was, like, it's, like, it's got, like, a little bit of that Y2K feel to it. Like, I remember, like, you know, leading, like, I remember, like, Y2K. Like, we were all worried about the computers and everything. Like, yeah. What's going to happen? Are they going to go to the zeros or is like everything just going to fucking like, you know, are we going to are the computers going to think mm-hmm. it's 1900? Yeah. Like what, what's going to happen? <laughs> like, like this big worry. I remember I worked for a I worked for a call center for brother fax machines. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of that, like they had uh, multifunction fax machines that you would connect to your computer. And so like we were. I was like really into this kind of stuff because it's like, what's going to happen to these fax machines? Are they going to continue to work? You know, you know, once it hits. You have to explain to the younger viewers what a fax machine is. Yeah, it's so true. No shit, man. Um, but uh, we sent picture messages before phones, (laughs) before cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got Kelly here who is, uh, um, her parents passed away, left her an inheritance, and uh, she's kind of blown through the inheritance. And then she's got her friend Miguel, who um, he's been accepted to grad school, but he wants to get into stand-up comedy. And so it's like a it's like a slice of life and uh, a slice of life story with these two characters and like these things that they're going through, and and they both have relationship problems. Kelly has. Uh, you know, she had a relationship uh, that uh, she really hasn't gotten over. And uh, Miguel has an on and off girlfriend that, uh, you know, she's been cheating on him and thinks that that, that, that what, things that's been going on in his life that he has to come to terms with. Um, what I really liked about this movie is it, for me, I. I it instantly made me think of like the dialogue and some of the comedy made me think of like Kevin Smith movies. And that's why I went back and watched clerks this week is because of this Dude, movie. Without a doubt. There was a lot. I think I, it really reminded me of like that 
clerks kind of comedy. Um, there's some of the comedy that I think could have been brushed up and a little bit snappier. I really wish that there's, there's a point in, there's a point in the movie where Miguel kind of like goes off on another comic. And I think that the, the writing could have been a little bit snappier and a little bit sharper. Um, but for the most part, I really did enjoy this movie and I'll give it a high taste it. Um, and I think it was a, I think it was a strong outing by this director. Um, Joe, what'd you think about Millennium Bugs? Yeah, I'm I'm on that same vein as you. When when this started off, I think it was five ten minutes into the movie. I was like, "Wow, Alejandro Montoya Marin, like he's a fan of Clerks. I can just tell because this movie feels like it's paying homage to that. It's in the the very similar vein as Clerks. It's just I think it it's is. like the it's best just... Kevin Smith movie, not by Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I that's a very very fair assessment because it is. It's these two friends that they aren't that alike they're they're not teenagers anymore they're definitely well into the point where they should be starting to get their shit together but they're not and they're just kind of drifting through life and lamenting their problems to each other and that's that's clerks and that's what millennium bugs is too it's just that this movie just does it in a in a different way but this felt very much of a piece with a view askew movie and i think that they did a very good job of of showing us who these characters are because um Miguel is very much of the uh like he's he's like this just this like he kind of like means well but he's very much like a pushover type character and his friend I I think it was Kelly is very much quite the opposite she's not a pushover at all she's very very kind of hard edged and seemingly very sure of herself. And so it's a, it, this one of these friendship relationships where these opposites attract and two steps forward, two steps back. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to Paul Abdul. <laughs> yeah, it's and, very um, MC Scat. It was MC Scat Cat. Scat And, uh, as this movie goes on and, and you see more and more of these characters and you start to understand why they are the way they are. But ultimately throughout this whole movie, I just kept coming back to, I, I understand what this director's doing. And I think that this is a great indie film. And I think that this movie's definitely going to find its audience. And, you know, I was, I was born in 1980. So when, when the Y2K thing happened, I was 19 years old. And and I remember people freaking out about it and I and and all this stuff. And so I feel like I'm I'm the perfect age to be watching this movie and kind of understanding what these characters are going through. But I just kept going back to, damn, this really feels a lot like Clerks. And maybe it's nostalgia for me because I saw Clerks when I was I mean, I was a young teenager the first time I saw Clerks. And, I you know, I'd never seen a movie like Clerks before when it came out. And with this movie just hearkening back to that, I just kept thinking like damn this movie just makes me want to watch clerks and is that a success when a movie makes you want to watch i watched movie? clerks immediately after i watched this movie joe i in and i watched millennium bugs like i finished it up and then i had about 45 minutes before we started recording tonight and so you jerked had off. i watched millennium bugs earlier <laughs> i would have followed it up with clerks i said you jerked off so i jerked off <laughs> <laughs> i had a nice edging session you know <laughs> 
perusing some of the seedier sucking subreddits. <laughs> Joe's like, it's like, I don't have enough time for clerks. I'm going to go whack it. <laughs> I got to time this so I come right before the Skype call starts. G-g-g-g. Okay, here we go. <laughs> hey, stoked to be here. <laughs> you wonder why I'm always so happy. <laughs> <laughs> These balls are always empty. <laughs> These pipes are clean. <laughs> I know if I ever get to testicular cancer, that's gonna be some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no shit, man. Olympic balls here. They're working uh, out every day. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Millennium bugs. I'm, I'm flipping through my notes and I don't have anything about edging. But <laughs> <laughs> what'd you think? Hey, J- John, what'd you think about Millennium Bucks? I thought this movie was a high taste it. I thought it had a lot of heart. I could tell it was um, somewhat of an amateur movie or an indie movie, but uh, it had so much heart and the people in it just sold me. And I really liked the story and the stylistic choices they made. And it's not as good as things like Clerk, so it doesn't quite get a Tupperware. But, I, like, I could feel what they were going for, and I really was invested the whole time. There was a lot of cool action things that I didn't expect, like the, you know, car races and the doing the cocaine. Another cocaine movie. Not enough cocaine in movies. Um <laughs> Yeah, man. And, yeah. It, this movie did meet the, co- the cocaine quota. Yeah. <laughs> And I agree with Brian that the writing could have been more snappy and the the screenplay could have been a little bit better. But you could, yeah, you could have punched up the comedy just a little bit more, I think. But from what they had yeah. and from what it's just seemed like I really felt what they were doing. And I, li- I, I did like Kelly. I, I liked the actor that played Kelly. I liked Miguel. And I also liked the relationship that Kelly had with like the lawyer. I thought that that was a, the family lawyer. I thought that that was a good relationship. Yeah. Also, I think Miguel is gay. Either the actor's gay or I don't know. But yeah. And it's weird that she, t- well, I won't spoil it. But anyway, um, it was a really interesting movie. Uh, Dre, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I'm at a middle of the road tasted on this one. Um, confession, I've never seen Clerks before, so. What the fuck, bro? (laughs) That's fucking wild. Whoa, hold on. Have you seen, have you seen any, like, have you seen Kevin Smith films? I've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You've never seen Chasing Amy or Dogma? or no, I missed that whole wave. Damn! That oh whole my god! Swift wave. Okay, Damn, dude, those are like the classic, really. I know. Really great I, ones I hear too. about how great they are and all that stuff, and I've always had a been meaning to go back and like watch them at some yeah. point. But yeah, I've never. You should go to uh, if you have Paramount Plus. Clerks is on there right now. Man, it'd be interesting to hear somebody that like totally missed the boat on that movie in the '90s because like. When that movie came out in the 90s, there was literally nothing like it. And uh, I, I still, every time I watch that movie, I'm still amazed at, like, young Kevin Smith. Like, yeah, what yeah, he was like, able what he was able to do. 
And I listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts. I also listen to, uh, you know, Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson and uh, Brian Quinn on Tell Him Steve Dave. And, you know, they've talked about they've talked about Kevin Smith and his movies. Well, Clerks and stuff was like that. one of the first movie independent movies that got kind of a cult following. Yeah, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And black and white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he it, shot it for $27,000. $27,000. Sold a lot of his comic book collection and charged uh, credit cards to make the movie, to fund the movie. And then had a screening in New Jersey and then had somebody, had had like like a film critic uh, come out there and see it. And then he got invited, I think it was to like Cannes and fucking, the, the rest is history, man. Yeah, yeah. Good, good for him, you know. Yeah, I, like I, I I agree with you though. I would really like to hear Dre's take on this. Yeah, on, because at the time when it came out, I remember I watched Clerks. Number one, I was fucking way too young to watch Clerks. Watched it nonetheless, and I'd never seen a movie like it before. And there's so many movies that have tried to ape it now. Yeah. And, and even the the basic model of a lot of podcasts where people are like, oh, I feel like I'm hanging out and just listening to a group of friends talking. That's what Clerks mm-hmm. was. You'd never heard people just talk like that in movies before so in 2023 it would be really interesting to hear what your take is on yeah. it dude just to hear fuck, you know like there's a scene where you know the, the guy the guys work in a convenience store dante and randall and they're talking about uh return of the jedi and they're talking about contractors working on the construction of the second death star and how they didn't know what they were you know randall's making the point like they didn't know that you know they took this job. It was a great government contract, and they're doing this for their families. And uh, they didn't know the risks that they were taking on that second Death Star, working on that second Death Star, and uh, how it blew up, and you know, a lot of innocent men. And then, you know, this they happen to have this conversation in front of a real contractor that's in the store at the time, and he's talking about how you know he worked. You know, he got offered a job from a guy that was, you know, part of the mob, and he turned he turned the job <laughs> he was, down. The risk. He turned the job down because he knew the risk that was involved, and his friend took the job. And I guess there was a raid on the place, and his friend got shot in the in the mayhem and got killed. And he's like, you know, I knew the risk that was involved, and I turned it down. So contractors know the risk that's involved and it's up to them. And I was just like, I'd never heard anything. You know, it's like, these are conversations that we have about like Star Wars, like all these nitpicky things that we talk about, Mm -hmm. but we'd never heard like talk people talk about like geek culture in a movie like this and the way that they were doing it and picking it apart. And it was just so fucking revolutionary at the time. It'd be interesting to hear somebody who'd never, who's never seen it before Dre, I really, I really urge you to watch Clerks. Yeah, I, I will. Like whenever, whenever I'm back on the show again, I will, I will add that. I will add Clerks to my watch list. I won't be surprised if you don't like it, back. though. I won't be surprised if you don't like it. It's weird because I've heard like uh, I've, I've listened to other, I've listened to like uh, younger millennials and Gen Z watch 1978 Superman for the first time, and they think it's corny as shit. And like when I saw that when oh, I was that's a kid, I know. When I mm. saw that when I was a kid, it was like that was like the pinnacle of comic book movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was born in '81, so I'm I don't I'm not outside of the, yeah. the age group to have seen Clerks. I like I just missed that wave. At I that get time. it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't have so getting back to Millennium Bucks. I don't have that <laughs> point of reference to uh, 
compare this movie to, I could just I just looked at it as just, you know, an indie film and just I saw what it was trying to do just being as a as a teen comedy and a coming of age movie. And I liked some of the visuals, the some of the little visual stylish cues that it had, like the little uh eight uh, bit animation part in the movie at some point. Um I liked I liked those parts of it and but I've seen them be done better in other films. But this one did yes. a good job of bringing them all together kind of collectively in one film. So on that, I did appreciate those parts of it. Um, the main character, Kelly, she was she uh, was a charismatic character at, at um, throughout the movie. So I, I enjoyed her character. Miguel, as the kind of more passive type character, was was, a, was um, somebody I kind of could understand and relate to. He's a, you know, the archetype of people that I know in life as well. So I kind of understood his character. Um, so I'm like, I'm just at the middle of the road tasted with it. I, there's nothing about it that I disliked. There's nothing about it that I particularly loved either. Um, it was just a, a good movie that probably, uh, like you said, could use some polishing up. And I think it would have made for a much better movie. But I, I could see what the intent was with it. I, I mean, I wish there would have been some more uh, comeuppance for his uh, Miguel's girlfriend. Yeah. Oh yeah. You well, know, two quick, two quick things. One, the soundtrack was pretty good. Very they, good. Very they good. Stick with songs that were like annoyingly 1999. That's yeah. right. Songs that were they kind were of more just low key picks. Low key, yeah. Yeah, like it the, wasn't they, like I was yeah. listening to Limp Biscuit and Prodigy the entire yeah. fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go for the cliche ones that everybody would immediately think yeah. of. Yeah, think nineties. Yeah, <laughs> there was no three doors down. Yes. Oh god. Yes, at the end. Of- oh god, it's three a.m. I want to blow my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> They sung that, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's 3 a.m. I must be lonely. <laughs> yes, and maybe. No, no. All right, let's move on. We got two more things. Let's burn through these. Mm-hmm. That sound good? Let's do it. Yep, yep. Rapid Le- fire. All right, Legion of Superheroes. Taste it. Taste it. Taste Just, it. Oh, this was a Tupperware for me. I oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I did. But also, this was my first, like, biggest introduction to, like, Supergirl. What I've the never, fuck, Joe? I've never seen something that was, like, a whole Supergirl story, and I thought it was really fun. I didn't know that much about Brainiac, and so I liked what they did with Brainiac with this. I had a lot of fun with this. It was like a YA adventure. Man. To me, it was just okay. Like yeah. I've seen like all the DC animated films, and they've done way better than yes. this one. Like this yes. was just as far as DC animated films, it's just kind of in the middle. It's okay. It's nothing special. Man, I think you know, Dre. I think like Tupperware. I'm thinking like fucking uh, Batman, uh, the under the, under the Red Hood. Under oh the, my, yeah, damn. Oh my god, that was so good. Yeah, and even yeah. as far as like Supergirl stories go, um, honestly, her story's been told better. Probably if you go back and watch old Justice League Unlimited, she had a pretty good story arc through that. Um, yeah, I don't remember which season. Or you could watch Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. That's a way better Supergirl story than this yeah. one, in my opinion. Yeah, it doesn't deal I'll have with to the check those ones out. I haven't seen those two. Joe's bar. Joe's bar is so low, and like, uh, 
I, I had a great time with the movie, though. <laughs> Joe, Joe thought, Joe was like, wasn't Supergirl played by Reese Witherspoon in this movie? Like, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Kara, devastated by the loss of Krypton, struggles to adjust to her new life on Earth. Superman mentors her. Meanwhile, she must contend with a mysterious group called the Dark Circle who searches for a powerful weapon held in the Academy's vault. In the fight for justice, there's their leagues ahead. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you got Jensen Eccles plays Batman. I thought he was a pretty decent Batman. Uh, Darren Chris was Superman. Um, fucking. It was okay, man. It was all right. I, the Brainiac shit was was fine. Um, I don't know. First, my my first introduction to Brainiac Five. Yeah, I'd never seen him before in a story, yeah. and and I thought when they brought the when like Brainiac One steps back into the scene, like that was like creepy, dude. That reminded me of some shit that I've seen in like anime, where I was like, wow, they're really kind of going for it with the look on this character, and. I'd never seen anything before that was set in the 31st century with with this team of heroes, and it just felt of a piece. And I thought it was really cool to take this character that really didn't fit in on Earth at all and put her in a in a in a scenario where she does fit in a little bit more. And yeah, I don't know. It worked for me. Yeah. I, I do agree that this doesn't. This isn't as because like for me, like Flashpoint Paradox is also like a Tupperware. And this isn't quite as good as that, so maybe I am being overly generous giving this a Tupperware. Maybe it is truly more of a high-tasted or something, but when I finished it, I was I was really happy that I had watched it. You're even you're even generous with your fucking hypothetical fucking high-tasted. This is, this is a taste-it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it'll suffer on repeat viewings, but man, the first one, like this, I was surprised. I, I didn't think I was going to like this movie as much as I did. So that goes into it for me as well. If this movie would have ended with a cover of uh, of a She's a Maniac with She's a Brainiac. She's a Brainiac, Brainiac. <laughs> I would have that, that uh, catapulted this motherfucker to a Tupperware. Yeah, then it would be undeniable. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's uh, what was that movie? What was it called? Legion of Superheroes. Legion of Superheroes. Okay, we did that one. Let's knock out this last one real quick. Did Did John give his thoughts on that one? Yeah, he said taste it. That's enough. Gotcha. There you go. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> taste it. There we go. Moving on. <laughs> I'm so glad Brian is drinking on this episode. I, I ran out. <laughs> I ran out. I got nothing, man. I ran out. Listen to this. That's empty. And hold on. Where's my vodka bottle? Empty. <laughs> Gotta get the NyQuil. Ah, God damn. Get the NyQuil. <laughs> Sharper. Sharper on uh, Apple TV Plus. This is a movie. Uh, motivations are suspect. And expectations are turned upside down as a con artist takes on Manhattan, bi- Manhattan billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed that synopsis. <laughs> this is a movie. This is a movie. <laughs> I feel our listeners feel like they've just watched it. <laughs> They're like, why'd you have to spoil it for us? <laughs> 
It's directed by Benjamin Karen. And it's got a cast uh, here of, uh, man, what a cast. What a cast. Yeah, Ju- stacked. Julianne Moore, Sebastian Stan, Justice Smith. I like Justice Smith. Justice Smith looks like Will Smith if he... I don't. He looks like Will Smith, but he doesn't look. He looks like he's in the Will Smith family. Yeah, but curiously, he's not. He's not. I sw- yeah, he's I swear he studied Will Smith's acting style, though. Yeah, I swear he has. Because there are some parts of this movie where I watched him. I'm like, that's a Will Smith move, <laughs> dude. Oh, have you watched? Uh, has anybody watched the new episode of Bel Air? I haven't watched it yet. Is it out yet? Yeah, Bel Air just dropped. Until March first. No, Bel Air dropped, man. It dropped on uh, oh, February. Uh, dropped February twenty third or something like that. Yeah, the new season of Bel Air started. Oh, know what the fuck I'm watching when we're done recording? There you go. Yeah, fucking that first season was incredible. God damn. Phenomenal. That show should not work, man. The show should not work. But it's crazy to think about. Like, if you take out the comedy in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And you fucking turn it into like a drama, it right. It works. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's that one thing that when it was announced, nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. And then it comes out, and everybody fucking loves it. And then I'm like, oh my god, can I get fucking Carlton 2.0? I love this guy. Like, oh my god. Even the the kid that plays Will is yeah. incredible as well. Yeah. And it all came from some fan made. Fake trailer. Uh, isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Hey, uh, Chris Rock's got his new uh, comedy special, uh, first live comedy special on Netflix, uh, March fourth. You guys, uh, you guys going to be watching? Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I'm oh, gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be watching that shit live, man. That's wild. Netflix having live programming, a fucking live comedy show. Mm-hmm. It, I gotta hear him go in. It's crazy. How did I connect the two? You know, Will Smith and Chris Rock. I have no idea how I connected the two. Pretty sure it has something to do with the palm of the hand. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Dre, what are your thoughts on that, man? On what? The whole Will the, Smith, the whole the fucking the thing, the, the slap heard the around the world. Thing? Yeah. Oh. On the one hand. I understand his desire to have wanted to defend his wife. Yeah. That being said, in my opinion, that is not the place to do it. Yeah. Not there on a internationally broadcast primetime television of that high profile. If you want, because I've heard other people argue about it, like, no, nah, he disrespected his wife. You know, you check your wife, you check that person right there when it happens. It's like, no, there's a way to handle that. You could have met that man backstage and said whatever you had to say or done whatever you had to do in that moment. Like, that's the only, that's what was my, was my only gripe with it, is that he chose to do it in that way in that moment. That yeah, was just. And taking it to a physical level like that, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, even if he takes it to a physical level, if, if we would have heard later that Will Smith and Chris Rock got into a fight backstage over Chris Rock's joke, I don't think anybody would have had an issue with it. They'd be like, yo, he cracked a joke on his wife, he ain't appreciate it, caught him backstage, just swung on him, whatever. But when you do it like that and in that moment, that is no, that that to me, that was just uncalled for and, and honestly immature on his part. Yeah, was, I don't know. I don't know. Will Smith can slap me any day. <laughs> Here's the thing that it's it's a fucked up because it's like, man, it's 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 crazy because I can see it's like 
on one on one hand it's like that's his wife right okay i know they've had like you know they've had issues and whatever but like she's she's right there and and he's like like chris rock is like he's making a joke but it is at her expense though right yeah it's at her expense but at the same time i don't think jada i don't think that's the first bald-headed joke jada pinkett's ever heard like She's had she's had now granted, maybe everybody didn't know that she suffers from alopecia and it's an actual condition. Yeah, yeah. But she has rocked short hair for virtually her entire career. So it wasn't even that great of a fucking joke. It was a G.I. Jane dated right. fucking yeah, joke. The joke was outdated as hell. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And also at at that level, it's like you're a millionaire and you live a charmed fantasy fucking life because you play pretend on film and somebody makes a little joke and you got to go and slap somebody on live television. That is it's to me, it was just indicative of this crazy world, crazy insulated world that they actually live in. And, and then I don't think he was expecting all those consequences after the fact. And he's still on the Oscar. Still won the Oscar, and that made it super fucking awkward. And yeah, now apparently which, the Oscars has like a a special response team that it's going to pop into motion if some shit like this happens again. That's like, yeah, too little, right. too late, Academy. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's all too little, too late. One that they should have kicked him out when it happened. I don't know why they even allowed him to stay. Probably because he was winning, and they just didn't want to have a moment where they announced the winner and they aren't there to accept their award when they were just in attendance, but. <laughs> You can't allow something like that to happen and allow that guy to remain in attendance. And then it took away from Quest Love's moment because um, that's who, the the award that Chris Rock was out there to present was for best um, documentary film, which Quest Love won for Summer of Soul, which is phenomenal. And his moment was completely overshadowed because Will Smith had to go off and slap the shit out of Chris Rock five yeah. minutes earlier. Yeah. it's a, The whole thing's fucking unfortunate, man. It's, you know, because like, you know, I fucking, you know, there's, I still, you know, there's a part of me that I still love Will Smith. Oh, how do you not? He's such a charming person and he's been in so many blockbuster films that we've loved him. And he's so many times that he's portrayed this lovable character that has flaws. And now we're in real life seeing that. Hey, maybe Will Smith is a lovable, lovable character. Will Smith gave flaws, me Will you know? Smith gave me validation as a child because when I grew up, you know, it's like I wasn't able to like my parents were not going to let me listen to fucking NWA, right? But my parents Oh, for sure. My parents did not mind me listening to Will Smith. Right? I mean, he had clean lyrics and shit like that. And his yeah, shit, dude. I had that, mm-hmm. that first album that yeah. was on cassette tape. And his shit was funny. His shit was funny. My parents, you know, just like <laughs> Will Smith said, like, parents just don't understand. My parents didn't understand why I listened to Will Smith and why I loved his fucking music. Like, you know, I think I can beat Mike Tyson and Nightmare on My Street and parents don't just don't understand. They didn't understand why I listened to it and why I liked it. But I did and I loved it. But it, Will Smith gave me validation as a child. It's one of those things that I'll never forget. It's because I loved Will Smith. And then when Will Smith got his television show, I remember watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and my dad watching it with me. And my dad loved the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. My dad loved that show. And so it gave me validation as a child. Like, oh, my God, this thing that I fucking love I love Will Smith's music. 
here is this rapper turned actor and now my dad likes this show now my dad can understand why i like this guy in the first place it was one of the, like it was kind of like you know when you're a kid and parents like look at some of the stuff that you do as like stupid and the stuff that you're not in that, that the stuff that you're into is stupid and then all of a sudden they come around on it and now it's like my dad is watching Will Smith movies like Independence Day and Men in Black and he's like he's he likes that shit now it like gave me some of that like like oh my god you know like I feel validated you know mm-hmm. like Will Smith came through for me I know this sounds silly as shit, but it's like, it's, it's the truth. It was like one of those things when I was a kid, it it just gave me that validation. Like, oh my God, you know, this thing that I like is good. This guy that I like is awesome. And other people can see that now, you know, like, uh, so I don't know. It's, 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 it was a pioneer. Yeah. I think not that awards mean everything, but he was when they introduced the hip hop award for best single. He's the first person that got it. Was Will Smith and you know DJ Jazzy Jeff, and so it like opened the world to you know hip hop can win Grammys. Yeah, when the Grammys finally decided to create an award for it, right? Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. he's not the pioneer of hip hop. No, 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 yeah, I get. Yeah, I get but, what you're saying. Like, yeah, he he he. Will Smith served as a gateway for a lot of people to to get into hip hop because he was a a safe entry point for a lot of people where hip hop was seen as somewhat rebellious or dangerous in back in that time or something that just would not last at that time. You know, kind of how some people may have seen uh punk rock is dangerous or something like that yeah he's not will smith, will smith isn't like fucking like grandmaster flash or you know what i mean oh, yeah no safe safe is a good yeah word. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what he was he was safe back then but at the same time even while being safe he was still very much 100 percent hip-hop all the way yeah, like people think down. about this yeah, yeah. People think of songs like, you know, the parents just don't understand or I think I could beat Mike Tyson. But he would also have a song that was real hip hop on it. Like, um, damn it. What's the song is uh, just escaped my mind. Um, Brand new funk where he's yeah. just rapping his ass off on the song. And he also took, was willing to take a stand for hip hop because these very same um, Grammy Awards that he won where he won. He protested because the Grammys. While they created the award, finally, they weren't willing to put it on television. Yeah. So oh, he, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they didn't televise it. So he protested and with other um, hip-hop people, uh, nominees, and they didn't. They boycotted and basically didn't show up and actually showed up on an episode of Yo! MTV Raps. Oh, my God. I, Yo! MTV Raps. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't yeah, thought about Yeah, this was back it. when Fat Five Freddy was hosting. This was before yes. Andre and yeah. Oh my God, dude. I was all about, um, when I was a teenager, I was all about yo MTV raps and fucking, um, Ricky Rackman. What was it? What was that Headbangers show? Ball. Headbangers ball. Like those are the, those mm-hmm. are the two shows on MTV that I just could not get enough of. Oh my God. Oh, back to sharper. Do you guys remember the sharper? Do you guys, do you guys remember the sharper image? Do you guys, That's right. That's what we're talking about. Do you remember the sharper image? You could go there. Oh, you, you, yeah. oh yeah. You could buy a massage. I still got a catalog. Yeah, a sharper image of the fucking. You could buy a fucking massage chair and a robot in the same day. <laughs> 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 <I'm>... <laughs> 
Justice Smith got me all sidetracked. Uh, John Lithgow's in this fucker, too. I don't know, man. This oh, had, Yeah, great for what we got of a minute, too. Yeah. this is, You know what? Honestly, you know, I dug this movie, man. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. You know what? Fuck it. Uh, I'm going to give it a very high-tasted. I, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. A lot of twists, a lot of turns. <laughs> I'm just ready to wrap. Yeah, I'm sure. so ready to wrap this fucking segment. Dude, they're... they're the, I thought that the way that this movie was presented was very interesting in that it's going to give you like a profile on each of these characters. Yeah. But that the way that they they presented the order of them kind of shows how these characters each connect to the next one. And then it kind of gives you the story at large by the time where you get to, I guess, what maybe could be the third act of this movie. It's kind of hard to break this down into act structure just because mm-hmm. the way that this movie it's is like every 20 to 25 minutes you get another fucking story exactly and and this is i think it was around two hours the only thing i will say about this movie the only negative that i had about it was just the pacing of this movie made it feel like it was two to three times longer than it actually was but i thought the camera work in this movie the cinematography in it was fantastic the acting in it is fucking great the the strength of the character development and everything that happens in it is great. It's just that this movie ultimately wasn't very exciting. And so for me, it just made it feel like it dragged and just took forever to finally get there. But when it finally wrapped up and the way that this movie culminated, I thought it was satisfying. Is just it was I just expected a little bit more. I think Apple this is yet another Apple TV Plus. I think this is the third Apple TV Plus thing we have on this episode in Good Pop, Bad Pop. God damn. Um no but th- th- this is a good movie. It's just that for me, I just I, I'm thinking they had it advertised as a thriller. <laughs> just, it is not thrilling at all. Just, no. it, it's it's a great long con type story. It's a nesting doll of all these different characters and how they fit together. And then overall, how the, the larger narrative is going to play out. But but ultimately, it wasn't exciting enough to to really keep me on the edge of my seat. For me, it's a taste it. But, man, performances, the way it's shot, all that is great. I just could have used a, a little bit more excitement in this movie. Hey, you just wanted Reese Witherspoon to fall in love with somebody in this movie. Be I, honest. I want that in everything I'm coming to realize, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, you immediately want to punch up your movie for me, put Reese Witherspoon in it, let her be America's sweetheart, and I'm just going to be enamored the whole thing. I can't help it. <laughs> it's like you're distracting me with something shiny while you pick my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> They're so easy you're to the please. Where the spoons, the laser. <laughs> exactly. Doubt. All right, John. What'd you think about Sharper? I thought it was a high taste. It. I thought it was very. I like the style of it. It was very um, chic, and I like the actors in it. And I felt like they were all cool and chic and. Um, but it just didn't have like a, it didn't have a singular thing that bumped it up to a Tupperware in my opinion. But I thought it was really good, and I thought um, that the acting was all pretty good. Julianne Moore is always great to see, and John that, she doesn't fucking age. Yeah, she does not. She looks always. She looks the same as she did in Boogie Nights. I'm the dude. I said. I thought. I said the same fucking thing when I saw this movie. 
She looks the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great. Yeah. I mean, if anything, they didn't give her enough, but she was great. And John Lithgow didn't have really enough in it, but he was good when he was in it. Um, I love Justice Smith and other things, but I don't know. He, him pulling the gun out and stuff didn't quite <sighs> me. Um, but anyway, it, it was a high taste. I thought the twists were really good and i was in it the whole time and i thought it, i thought it was really good Dude, i was i was just the opposite on justice smith i i gotta admit i haven't really liked him in anything and in this one i i believed him i think he's getting better as an actor i liked him in the pokemon movie <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie See, for me i thought it was passable i thought he was pretty wooden in that overall but i thought he was he was a lot more emotive in this movie Justice for Justice Smith is what Joe said in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) This movie put the justice in Justice Smith. (laughs) Come on, you're fucking dropping politicians' names earlier. Yeah, it is like we're talking about President (laughs) Justice Smith. Yeah. Jesus Christ, John. (laughs) Knock, knock, who's there? You're wrong. (laughs) Dre, what'd you think about Sharper? What do you what do you what do you think about the sharper image? I'm kidding. What do you think about what do you think about sharper? Um, I gave this one a Tupperware. This was actually my favorite thing that I watched. No shit. The list. I thought this movie was brilliant. Was it was it was it Sebastian Stan that did it for you? He was compelling. He was very compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the the storytelling, the way it was nonlinear, it kept me on my toes up until the very end. And I loved how it, each uh, story kind of took us, took you a little bit further back while also connecting to the to what happened before all of that. And that that intellectual aspect of it, it kept me into it the entire time. The tail end of the movie slightly fell off for me, but that's only because I was on my toes so much and paying attention to so much that kind of by the end of the movie, I was a little bit in predict mode as opposed to just going along with the story. So only only because of that did the story kind of fall off towards the end. But other than that, I loved everything about it. I loved the, the style of it. I loved the performances. Um, Brianna Mil- Middleton, who played Sandra, I thought she was great in the movie. Um, again, Sebastian Stan was great. Justice Smith was great. I again, I loved everything about this movie. It's an absolute tough for me. All right, Brianna Middleton plays Sandra. Would you be able to date her after this fucking movie? Absolutely. <laughs> I, there, no, there is no way. I would never be able to trust her, Dre. <laughs> you said Brianna Middleton. You didn't say Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Brianna Middleton, you know that she lies for a job, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got me there, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want yeah, no parts of Sandra. No, ain't, <laughs> <laughs> ain't no way in hell. I'm so, I couldn't believe. Not gonna say it, but yeah, yeah, man. I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah, okay. The Brianna Middleton of it all. Yeah, I think I think we're both there. I think I'm, I'm with you there, man. <laughs> But Sandra, there's no way. Yeah. Uh-uh. Come on, man. She might be able to show you how to make some wine in the toilet. Oh, yeah. No, man. <laughs> there, there, there's no way. 
All right, guys. Well, I think Dre made a good point about the character development, though. Like, I when they started certain uh, acts with a person's name in front, that can get very cheesy and eye-rolling. But in this, I bought it, and I was on board for it. And it wasn't a Tupperware like Quentin Tarantino does it, but it was a high-tasted and I thought they did that well. And I really got into the characters. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the way the movie starts, it puts you on one arc, but you don't realize what's going actually going on until, a, until somewhere in the middle. And once that part happened, I was like, oh, oh, I'm in. No, I highly recommend it, man. I think everybody should watch it. it, it like you will want to finish this one. A hundred percent. You've got to see where it goes. You've got to see this movie through. Like once you start it, you got to see it through. I think the performances are great. Uh, Justice Smith was great. Brianna Middleton was great. Fucking uh, and uh, Sebastian Stan. God damn. I think that guy. I'm telling you, like he's got some range. He's got some range, man. I never thought Mm -hmm. it. I never thought it. It's like one of those things. Like when you first see him in like uh, you know Captain America: The First Avenger playing Bucky. It's like you know. I was like, okay. And, you know, the guys come out and he did, what was that fucking movie he did? The, like, the, like the, the thriller horror movie or whatever. I can't remember. Paul loves it. You guys don't remember. I don't remember. I don't. I just know he <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm looking up the MCU stuff, stuff and then the Pam and Tommy stuff. Yeah, he did Pam and Tommy. Yeah, he did. But he did, he did an, talking about Fresh? Fresh, yeah. Yeah. Paul loved that movie. And it's a good movie. Yeah. Guys, ready to jump into the news? I want to blast. I want to blast through the rest of this shit. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you reach that level of not giving a fuck that you play a second and a half of a bumper. <laughs> yeah, man. You know. <laughs> You've heard going. it. Let's do this. Let's do it. Hellboy. News from Dark Horizons. Hellboy getting another film reboot. Somebody out there is convinced that this thing can work. Hey, man, it worked great twice with Ron Perlman. But also, dude, I mean, the director on that? Are you are you kidding? It's 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 hard not to beat. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, they got big shoes to fill on this one. Yeah, I like the first Hellboy. I didn't so much care for the second. Dude, I fuck it. I like the second one more than the first one. Yeah, Golden Army. That's so much fun. Golden Army was fucking incredible. Fucking wasn't Jet Li in that motherfucker? Fuck, was he? I thought Jet Li was in uh, Hellboy: The Golden Army. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've seen that one. I've seen the first one more than the second one. Uh were there only two original movies? Yeah, and then they did yeah. the... Guillermo del Toro did two of them. Okay, yeah, I saw both of those. Hold on, I need confirmation that Jet Li was in the second one. <laughs> uh, I'm pulling up IMDb right now. I am too. Cowboy 2, Golden Army, 2008. <laughs> this episode is fucking stupid. I'm not seeing Jet Li in this cast. Why? Who? Oh, fuck. He wasn't. The fuck? Maybe I just really like Jet Li and want to see him in more shit. I mean, I don't don't understand why they couldn't make a great new Hellboy, but it could also be bad. (laughs) I don't know. There's your news. (laughs) 
It could either be good or it could be bad. <laughs> There's your news. <laughs> I just want I want them to dip a little bit deeper into the well of comic book adaptations. Like we've tried Hellboy twice. We can try some other stuff. Yeah, man. Like, there's so many other fucking, uh, like, uh, independent comics out there that they can adapt, right? right? Exactly. Image has got a ton of them. No shit. I wouldn't mind seeing somebody take a crack at something like Wildcats or something. Yeah. Anything. I I mean, look at how successful The Boys has been for Amazon Prime. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, do an adaptation of Plastic by Doug Wagner. Yeah. Uh, like a fucking serial killer that's in love with a plastic fuck doll that gets abducted and he has to go on a revenge quest to get her back. Uh, anything that so fucking much fun. Anything that Colin Bunn does. Oh, Colin Bunn's got a million fucking great horror comics that are just waiting. And yeah. They they adapted his book The Empty Man, did a terrible version with the the adapted film on it. Like do one of his good ones. What about what about the, the dude's a nonstop writing machine? What about fucking uh, Joshua Williamson? What was that book that oh, he did? Please give me a nail biter adaptation. Yeah, please do it as a, as like an actual fucking series, and stick to the source material because it's fucking great. Yeah, a, a, a small town in Oregon that the sixteen of the the nation's worst serial worst serial killers were all born and raised in this small town. What is it about this small town that is turning people into serial killers? Like, it's an incredible yeah. comic book. Exactly. See, between between comic books, manga, webtoons, all stuff, there's plenty of stories out there that they can take a crack at without trying to rehash the same thing over and over again. Hey, Dre, are you getting? Are you going to go see the uh, new Demon Slayer movie when it hits in March? No, because it's not a movie. It's just the first episode of the third season. It, well, I think what it is is the last two episodes of season yeah, two. Yeah, it's episodes 10 and episode, 11. Yeah, no shit. Season three. Yep. Yeah, and then the actual season doesn't start till April. So, no, I'm not going to go be teased with that one episode and then have to wait a month before the season comes. That's so, no, fucked I'll just wait up. I didn't know that. Oh, I knew it, and I can't wait to be teased. Uh, I'll, I'll take that one episode of season three, but also the ending of season 11 was fucking fantastic. So seeing 10 and 11 on the big screen, yeah, I don't want to pass that up. Oh, those episodes were absolutely incredible, yeah. Fuck yeah, they were. See, I'm not caught up. I'm not caught up. Uh, so I. Yeah, you got to finish the entertainment yeah. district, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah freaking... Damn it, I, why am I blanking on the name of the studio? It's not Madhouse. It's... uh. Shit. Well, the name of the studio is, which I'm blanking on. Yeah, they broke their whole foot off in them last couple episodes. Fucking, um, I loved, uh, did you watch Chainsaw Man, Trey? Oh, yeah. Loved it. Fucking, uh, absolutely. The voice of, uh, the voice of Denji for the, uh, American dub is going to be at C2E2. Oh, nice. Yeah. I fucking, yeah. I got, uh, C2E2 at the end of March, early April. I dropped the money to get my picture taken with Chris Evans. Yeah, that's some bucks too, dude. But that'll yeah. be an awesome treasured photo. Yeah, it's all that. I mean, you get a picture taken with Captain America. I know. I bought a Captain America shield. I'm gonna fucking get my picture taken, and I'm gonna have him hold the shield if he will. Oh fuck yeah, dude! That's yeah, cool. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think I'm also gonna get my picture taken with uh, Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, nice. 
So I, you know, any anything Superman related, I'm just, you know, I got my picture taken with Melissa Benoist to play Supergirl. Anytime I can get my picture taken with an actor that has anything to do with Superman family, I'm. I think I got to do it. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right, Mar- Hellboy, another Hellboy movie. We don't. I don't know. God damn it. I don't know. It's. I haven't read enough of the source material. Like my biggest connection to the Hellboy. The big, the biggest connection to Hellboy is those two movies that Guillermo del Toro did. Other than that, it's like I don't really know, but I know the Hellboy comics got a lot of stuff out there, so there should be plenty of source material to pull from. But yeah, that one with David Harbor that came out last time, it did not sound like it was very good. Man, what, what's what's del Toro stand for? Is that does is that mean the bull? I believe so. If it, if it's a uh... Spanish, then yeah. God damn, what a fucking awesome fucking name, huh? <laughs> right. My name is boring as shit, and then his name is like Gilmore the Bull. God damn. <laughs> what a fucking badass name. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's a cool name. I don't know, I am. This episode is... Of the Bull. Yeah. What's that? Mm. It means of the bull. Yeah, Guillermo of the bull. He's out there fucking fighting lions in barns. It's a callback to earlier. <laughs> yep. Hey! Gouging them out. Yeah. Man. Marvel news. Marvel news. I don't know. <sighs> what do we got here? Yeah, Marvel's slowing shit down. That's good. I think that's a good, that's a really, really good move on their part. Yeah. I mean, both in terms of of allowing the VFX community time to do the best work that they can possible. And, and also, it's like they, they just like fucking scattershot us with so much content in phase four to where it really is starting to feel like they need to focus this and mm-hmm. show us really what phase five is going to be about. And importantly, like establish some bit of heart in there, because even though I liked quantum mania, I will readily admit there was very little heart in that movie to be found. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It definitely felt like they were just after, you know, after losing a year to COVID, they felt like they had to catch up so much so that they just, dumped everything out as quickly as possible to try to get back on whatever predetermined schedule that they had and some of the quality of their stuff suffered as a result of it so yeah yeah they'll be well served to just slow it down do a bit of a take a bit of inventory of what they got and make sure everything is as good as it could be before they put it back out and try to build up rebuild some goodwill with the audience that seems to have started to sour on some of their stuff yeah, Entertainment Weekly broke the story. Uh, Dark Horizon said that slowdown may be happening sooner than you think. THR reports that Disney is putting the brakes on the output of some of its biggest franchises and brands as it seeks to get better value out of the content it creates. A source tells the outlet there's going to be a level of rigor on Marvel and across the entire company. Numbers matter now, and costs are going to be outlined and enforced. 
The impact is going to be immediately felt at Marvel in terms of television output. In July last year, Feige outlined plans for five series to hit in 2023. Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, What If Season 2, Ironheart, and Agatha Coven of Chaos. Trade reports that that plan is seemingly out the window with Loki and Secret Invasion being the only sure bets to debut this year. Both Echo and Ironheart are reportedly now unlikely to arrive in 2023 as the studio spreads out its content and tinkers in post-production. Smart move, I think. It's too much saturation. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. And, like, if I'm going to be at my harshest, I would say they can axe what if season two they can axe Agatha Coven of Chaos. They can maybe even axe Echo and Ironheart. And and I don't think I would care. It, it, like explore those characters out more in in other films. Yeah, I where, just think... where you can do it the way you did it in the other phases. Because I don't know. As much as I want to put a positive spin on everything, these things don't live the greatest in my memory. Of you know, I'm not chomping at the bit to go back and rewatch a lot of these disney plus series even though at the time when i was watching them i was like i was having a lot of fun with it but i gotta really ask myself was i having fun with it because i was just saying oh this is the new marvel thing or was it legitimately good and i don't i don't know i have not been chomping at the bit to go and rewatch them though and maybe that's testimony in itself problem with axing a show like echo and even an agatha at this point is how interconnected some of these shows have been with the movies and i feel like echo might have a lot to do with what we're going to see going into you know uh daredevil born again agatha might have a little bit to do on the future of wanda possibly i don't know so we'll have to see yeah but over the course of a whole episode or a whole season is the connective tissue enough? Is it going to make a big enough splash to where you can't just retool it to work into something that's a feature yeah. instead? Right, right. I'm yeah. pissed off. I'm pissed off by all accounts that the Nova project is going to be a series and not a movie. Yeah, I think that's the wrong call. It's the wrong altogether. fucking call, man. I mean, because if you're going to set Nova on Earth, in my opinion, you're already kind of failing a little bit. You're fucking up. Like, come on, give us a space epic. And yeah. if you're going to give us a space epic, you need to give us the CGI budget of a, of a movie. Everybody, not a Disney Plus series. All the fucking well, leakers are saying Nova's right. is going to Nova's going to be a, ser- a series on Disney Plus. But you're going to water it down and put it on Earth. Yeah, but if they're dialing things back in order to get better quality, that could conceivably work towards Nova's benefit because we might be. I think some of our uh, apprehension towards the Nova series is based upon what we've gotten already with these rushed Disney Plus TV series. Yeah, 100%, right? If they're dialing it back and they're putting more time and investment into it, it could still, it could actually work to Nova's benefit as a series. Yeah, I just, I want Nova to, I want Nova to have the big budget and be cosmic based. Yeah, I want it to look fucking incredible like the Guardians movies looked. Yeah. Like all the space scenes in those were so beautiful. Yeah. And 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 Dre, you're absolutely right. I am in my mind, I'm thinking of the level of CGI and stuff that we got in some of these Disney Plus series, which at times was great and at other times was really clunky to the point mm-hmm. where 
where I shook my head and it wasn't until that article came out with the VFX community saying, what the fuck, Marvel? Give us time to actually work our craft. Stop putting last minute changes in and making us do multiple things. Like, just focus on what the story needs to be and let these people have the time to do what they need to do. And it seems like mostly they're allowed to do that in the features. Definitely, it seems like they're not allowed to do it in the Disney Plus shows. And so that makes me worry if something like Nova is going to be a Disney Plus show. I think they've been rushing on the features. I think think Quantumania didn't look as good as it probably could have been, honestly. I've only seen it still the one time, and it was in 3D. So it looked good in 3D to me. I mean, for me, it was, I don't know. I mean, I I miss the the uh, practical shrinking world of, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Ant-Man movies to begin with, but I still like those first two Ant-Men better because it was like, you know, those fucking, the action scenes where the cars were shrinking and Ant-Man was shrinking. It was like. I feel like all that was replaced to get us into the quantum realm, which they'd been hyping up. And then the fact that we, when we get into the quantum realm, it wasn't really as amazing as I kind of like hyped it up to be. I don't know. Well, the shrinking gags worked so much better in the first two movies because it was stuff that that we can relate to. There was nothing that was a shrinking gag that worked in the second movie that we could relate to because there was no real scale there. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're huge in the quantum realm. But, I mean, well, unless you're looking at all the other stuff around them, you couldn't really tell. So I do understand that criticism. Yeah. Uh, news from People magazine. Uh, Simu Liu uh, teases that Shang-Chi will team up with other Marvel superheroes sooner than you think. Uh, Shang-Chi actor, 33, chatted with uh, People at the Academy of Motion Arts and Sciences Sci-Tech Awards on Friday evening where he said that another Marvel superhero film is on the horizon that will feature his character interacting with other big comic book stars. Quote, I'm such a big fan of both the characters and the performers that play them. So any collaboration is an opportunity for me to work alongside someone who, in their own way, is breaking barriers and at the very top of their game. Uh, I think that's what excites me the most as a performer and also as a fan. And who knows? They might be you might they might see something sooner than you think. Uh, so he's teaming a uh, superhero team up here in a future Marvel movie. I think it's got to be Kang Dynasty. Destin Daniel Cretton's directing that movie. Destin Daniel Cretton directed uh, Shang Chi, and so I think that Simulu is a shoo-in to show up in the Kang Dynasty. I agree. And I hope we get him in something, honestly, sooner than that. I think think we're all excited at the tease they gave us at the end of the movie with, you know, the other Avengers basically welcoming welcoming him into the superhero fold. So, yeah, I want to see them deliver on that. And I would like them to do it sooner than Kang Dynasty. Yeah. A hundred percent, dude. That like those my thoughts exactly is that it seems like Kang Dynasty is going to be a perfect example of a movie that this could be happening because I mean it's got team up written all over it but I don't want to wait that long it's already been forever since Shang Chi came out and yeah we've been hanging on that stinger scene at the end I want to see it pay off what is what is the signal coming out of his rings what is this team up going to be like don't make me wait that long for it yeah. Well, hey, uh, John, what did you think of Shang-Chi? 
I'm sorry, I've been busy contacting Uber Eats, and they said they won't deliver Brian Moore alcohol unless I know his address. (laughs) (laughs) Uber drinks. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm not giving out my address over the phone, over the over the podcast. <laughs> probably a good call. Yeah, they probably. said you have to order food along with the alcohol. Oh, okay. I you know. Hey, just give me a double cheeseburger, throw that in there. <laughs> Can't go wrong with a double cheeseburger. Classic choice. <laughs> oh man. Let's jump into the Marvel rumors. Uh Fantastic Four producer Nate Moore said recently that people are gonna be surprised by the direction of Fantastic Four, of the Fantastic Four movie. And then uh, Great Phase replied to that quote on Twitter saying, probably because of, and then a picture of Galactus. Oh, fuck yeah. It's, Joe, I mean, listen, this is not the first mention of Galactus being the main villain of Fantastic Four. Seems like all the leakers are talking about Galactus being the big bad in the Fantastic Four movie. At this point in time, I am just going to say it. I, it, 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 I, I think it's Galactus. I think we're getting Galactus. I think so, too. I think that's the way they make the biggest splash with this movie and differentiate themselves from the Fantastic Four movies of the past. Give us Galactus. Give us, give it to us, comic accurate. Show us the sort of threat that he really is. I mean, this is a dude that's like the size. I mean, w- one thing the, the Eternals movie did well was showing Celestials. And that Stinger scene at the end of that movie where it shows the Celestial right outside the planet, that's what Galactus would be like. Only he's not there to judge a handful of people. He's there to eat the fucking planet. Like, come on, you can do it. The The technology is there to make it work now. He's not going to be a fucking cloud. He's he's always been a tremendous threat. And, and a huge foe of the Fantastic Four would be a great way to make a splash of, of this first time we're seeing Marvel's first family in the MCU. Yeah, I think everything you said is absolutely 100% correct. The only slight concern I have about it is... Is Galactus almost too big for a first movie? He almost... That's my my only slight concern, and it's not a huge one. I just won't feel like, damn, if you go Galactus in the first Fantastic Four movie, where do you go from there? Doctor Doom. Well, yeah, Doom, but I kind of envision Doom being maybe a greater, you know, MCU-wide threat, like maybe the next big bad after... Kang. I think I, I think you're do. right. I think you're right with Doom being the next big bad after Kang. Yeah, yeah that that's kind of how. Oh yeah. Him. So I mean, I guess maybe they could still deal with him in a Fantastic Four movie, and then just you know expand on him further beyond that. But uh, agreed, yeah. they can't beat him like totally beat him, kill him in the first movie. No, it's like all all you can do in the first movie if you want it to be successful, in my opinion, is to just delay him. Because he's too big of a threat to take out in one movie. That wouldn't be satisfying. We're still getting that Silver Surfer special presentation on Disney Plus, which, you know, he's a herald of Galactus, so I think, you know, everything's gonna tie in. He's so much of a fucking villain. I, I, I don't I don't think he's gonna be a one off. He can't be a one off. He can't be a one off. It's not gonna be successful if they do him as a one off. That would be cheating audiences and honestly cheating the character. The first time you're gonna 
do him well in live action, you're gonna make him a one and done. That would be a slap in the face, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, let's see here. I guess I'm still waiting on those casting announcements with Fantastic Four, dude. Uh, what I'm hearing. Let me just jump ahead to this. Uh, it is definitely yeah. This comes from my time to shine. Hello, John Krasinski is not the MCU. Reed Richards, and then uh, can we get some toast? Backed this up a hundred percent. So, all the people that were hoping that it is going to be John Krasinski, like that, it looks like that was just a multiverse of madness thing. It's not going to be. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I, 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 I thought it, I thought it was a great little bit of fan service that they threw him in Multiverse of Madness. So everybody got to see him. They was really into it, and it, it it wasn't a mind blowing performance. And so I'm okay with them going a different direction. This way we get to have our cake and eat it too. Yep. And then they can always well no they killed him. I was gonna say they could dust him off and bring him back in maybe Secret Wars or whatever, but nah he got his head blown up. He got spaghettified. Uh, oh, yeah, he did get spaghettified. That was Black Bolt who got his head blown Black up. Bolt, and that was fucking <laughs> rad. <laughs> uh, th- That's right. Thwipped on Twitter uh, talks about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Check this out. Remember that, you know, that scene from the trailer where Peter Quill is like crying and like screaming? Yeah. Listen to this. Rocket gets hurt badly near the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and a lot of the film is the crew trying to break into the high evolutionary's lab to find something to heal him. Mm. Oh, wow. So maybe that that's scene of, of Star-Lord screaming his first act stuff? That'd be a twist. Yeah. Yeah. You know who I think is going to die in this one? I don't know, guys, I don't know spoilers. Number one, I don't know spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. All I'm going off is the actors and what they've been saying. Other than Drax? Drax and Gamora. Wow, they're going to do a Gamora again. Have you not heard the the, the quotes from Zoe Saldana about working about... Tired. Yeah, of she's tired of Marvel. Blockbuster films. Exactly. She yeah. feels like they've and negatively impacted her career, and well, not negatively impacted, but kept her from doing other projects because she's yeah. had to commit so much to these giant tentpole films like the Marvel and the Avatar stuff. You know, what I think died on this episode. John. Yeah. Knock knock. Who's <laughs> <laughs> knock knock? Who's not there? John. Jesus Christ. You there, John? What's going on, man? I'm trying to keep from hiccuping. Oh, you got the you got the hiccups. Do you want me to scare you? Bah! I'll scare you. Scare him out of you. It's very spooky. Yeah, Try hyperventilating. That works for me. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, uh, Thwipped on Twitter said uh, talking about the Deadpool three here. Well, no, talking about, talking about castings here, talking about, uh, uh, Kevin Feige talking about how they wanted Harrison Ford for a while in the MCU. They found a way to get him in the MCU playing uh, general Ross. They've got their eye on another actor. And I love this. I don't know what they're going to put this particular actor into, but they've got their eyes on Sadie sink. 
If you're not familiar with Sadie Sink, she plays oh, excellent. She plays Max in Stranger Things. She also did a great job in The Whale with Brendan Fraser recently. She plays, yeah, Max in Stranger Things is like what she's most known for. She's known for running up that hill. <laughs> but they said one of the uh, they've got her. Uh, one of them is in Deadpool three. But if it doesn't happen, I'm sure she'll work with them in the future. But it'll be further out, 2025 plus. The earliest we'd see this is is late 2024 for Deadpool 3. Can you imagine Sadie Sink in Deadpool 3? I don't know what they'd have her in, but I, I lo- I'd love to see her in the MCU. I love her. Dude, dude, what if they cast her as a young Jean Grey? Oh, fuck, dude. Right? Fuck. I know. It'd be fucking great. That's pretty goddamn brilliant. That's fucking amazing casting. Yeah, she would knock that out of the park. She's the right age to play that character for fucking years. Oh, dude, I hope that's it. That would be incredible. Yeah, yeah, that that's 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 some inspired casting right there. God damn, Jean Grey, Sadie Sink, Joe, you nailed it, man. You fucking nailed it. You fucking. I was uh, Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise podcast. Uh, text messaged me this week, and he was talking about. Um, a casting for Reed Richards in Fantastic Four, and he named an actor, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And 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 it was the actor from the White Lotus season two, that young yet yeah, young guy. What the fuck is that guy's name? Hold on. The Why? one uh, who played the the son. Yeah. Okay, so he played Albie. Hold on a sec. I'm looking it up. Right yeah, now. look him up. Dude, that would be a fantastic Reed Richards, though. Perfect Reed Richards. I'm wondering in the new Fantastic Four movie if they are going to have the end of the world type vibe or if they can get away from that. Adam DeMarco? Yes, Adam DeMarco. Hmm. Looking He's at got a picture the look for it, though, dude. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Young and he's young too, so he could play the role for a while. That's the big thing. It's like he's very he's young, he could play the role for a while. I think he's got the look. Um Yeah. I mean, Kevin Feige should be making that fucking phone call. I don't know why he's not in the conversation. He should be. Hopefully yeah. fucking Kevin Feige's been watching the White Lotus. <laughs> if not, he's missing out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, My Time to Shine Hello said Sir Ian McKellen is returning as Magneto in Deadpool 3 and Secret Wars. This lines up with the rumors that, you know, Patrick Stewart's been saying about him and Ian McKellen coming back for some more Marvel projects. Uh, That's fucking great news. Love Ian McKellen. Anytime I can see him back in the role of Magneto. uh, Fantastic. To see him back in the role in Deadpool 3 and Secret Wars, fucking incredible. Um, Yeah. Absolutely, dude. Listen to this shit, man. This fucking pisses me off. This is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania news. This is like what could have happened in that movie. And this comes from Can We Get Some Toast? Unfortunately, most of Bill Murray's Krylar was cut from Quantumania. He went from having a somewhat substantial role to being a glorified cameo. He was originally going to turn on Kang and fight back with the rest of the Freedom Fighters. Joe, that's just another fucking... Oh, that would have been incredible. That would have been more like Lando from from Star Wars that we talked about when we reviewed the fucking movie. 
It absolutely would have. And also, I mean, it's fucking Bill Murray. Yeah. And this is a one and done Marvel movie for him. Give us give us as much Bill Murray as you can. You were already leaning into the comedy side on this movie anyway, and you cut out more Bill Murray. Come on. Yeah, that kind of falls in line with the way I felt about this movie, where I felt like this movie had some awkward cuts and some things that just felt like they weren't fully fleshed out. So, yeah, it seems like they left a lot on the cutting room floor that maybe yeah. should not have been. Have you, okay, listen to this. Can we get some toast? Said uh, from what I've seen of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and the MCU moving forward, they're going with a more stylized anime look for their action. Groot not only has wings but also a kaiju form. Nebula has a Alita-like wings and fights Adam Warlock in the air, very Dragon Ball Z esque. Uh, I didn't know how to take this until I saw the leaked pictures of the Marvel Legends. Groot figure. It's got wings, guys. That's wild. Have you seen the picture? No, I haven't. I'll have to send it to you. Hold on. Let me see if I let me pause. I'll send it to you right now. Hold on. Yeah, I'm Googling it too. Marvel Legend. Joe, I just sent it to you. You got the picture? Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, this is going to be a look from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, apparently. We're going to get a flying Groot. Who'd have fucking thought, dude? If you'd have given me ten fucking guesses, I never would have guessed that we're gonna get a flying Groot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a hell of, that's a very interesting look. Um, the news about it having a more anime type look for it makes me a bit apprehensive because I have yet to see Hollywood really pull off anime right. So I know that's just a a, a word he's just using the guy, I guess, for flair, but. I don't know. It makes me interested, but kind of apprehensive, especially when they invoke Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. John, did you get the picture? Yeah, it reminds me of uh, my old Quicksilver toys. Yeah. I get the kaiju look when they describe it as like the wing group because he almost likes looks like something that from like an old Voltron cartoon yeah. or something like the type of road beast Voltron would have fought or something right yes yes like wings pop out yeah. yeah yeah I'm a little apprehensive on how it's gonna look in live action but James Gunn's done a lot of good for us so far so I'm gonna I'm gonna trust him and just go into this with an, an expectation that's gonna look good in live action yeah yeah, you invoke you invoke Dragon Ball Z, you're either about to blow my fucking dick off or piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> and what's curious too is they've already shown us the scenes in the trailer where it's like Groot has like six arms and each one can hold and shoot a blaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna sell well as a toy, I assume. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and so, that's yeah. yet another toy too. Because yeah. are they gonna do the toy where he's holding all the different guns? Oh, oh you know it. Every version of Groot's going to get a toy of some sort. Yeah. Or Funko Pop or something. <laughs> They'll have the hot toy as well. Yeah. 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 That just kind of tells me that everything we've seen in the trailer was has probably been like first and second act stuff as well. And that they must be saving some some really over-the-top shit for the, act, for the third act. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I can't wait for it. Uh, looking forward to the soundtrack. Looking forward to seeing what James Gunn does. Characters are going to die... Adam Warlock's going to have a turn. He's going to be good at the end. They're going to fight, you know, 
who's who's the who's the bad guy in it? What's High, evolution. High evolutionary. High evolutionary. The fighter. I will see. I mean, I, I I have a lot of I have a lot of hope for that movie. I really do. I think it'll be a re- I think it'll be a return to form for Marvel. I I I can't see James Gunn doing us wrong. I, you know, I'm talking about it like it's going to be very formulaic. But on the flip side, it's like we we don't know what we're going to get. So we'll see. Yeah, and it, it's arguable that the James Gunn Guardians movies are maybe the least formulaic because they are kind of out there in comparison to the other movies. Yeah. Uh, My Time to Shine Hello also said Kihai Kwan is playing a character called Ouroboros in Loki, Loki Season 2. Um, he's the main tech guy for the TVA. They call him Bo for short. I, we knew that he was going to be, like, the rumor was he was going to be the main tech guy for the TVA. We knew that. But now we know his name. It's Ouroboros. And they're going to call him Bo for short. And then also, I, I guess an actor uh, by the name of Kate Dickey is playing an evil general who wants her soldiers, former TVA agents, to destroy the new timelines created after the death of He Who Remains. Oh, somebody who's holding on to the ideals of the old regime. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, I do. I like that twist. Um, still not giving us much new with um, with with the other character. I mean, we're getting his name, but I mean, this that, that's barely news, a- a- unless it's a character from the comics, which doesn't seem to be. Let's. Oh God, I'm so ready to wrap this fucker, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viewer Anon uh, on Twitter said, uh, this is based on whispers and winks. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. Or Mr. Gunn shoots it down if it's not. But I've heard Ben Affleck is involved with the Brave and the Bold. So that was one of the things is they were talking about Ben Affleck. Uh, you know, he didn't get to direct his his uh, Batman solo movie, which was like a, that was a thing that was being talked about. And uh, that's not that didn't happen. But now they're talking about like the rumor is James, uh, Ben Affleck you know, coming back and directing something for DC now. And uh, I guess the rumor here from viewer Anon is uh, he's involved in the brave and the bold. Dude, I'll take it. The guy has proven that, that he's got what it takes to make great films. He's a huge Batman fan when like he had that house in Hollywood that Kevin Smith ended up buying. He had a fucking bat cave yeah. <laughs> type secret room installed in it. So, I mean, the guy, he's played Batman, whether you, you know, what you think of him or not, he's still, he's got that on his record that he's played Batman, huge Batman fan. The guy is a bona fide filmmaker. I'm excited to see what he could bring. Yeah, I'm 100% agreement. If, if there's somebody who could do the character right and have a genuine and bring a genuine passion to the project, it is Ben Affleck. What you, what, John, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the Brave and the Bold sounds like a soap opera. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. The Brave and the Bold. <laughs> the Young and the Restless, the Brave and the Bold. 
apparently the rumor is by the end of the Flash movie that uh and this this is from Can We Get Some Toast is that the the movie ends with Ezra Miller's Flash stranded on the Batman and Robin Earth from the George Clooney universe. Oh my god. Yes. Oh, excellent. Can we get Leave some t- Ezra Miller there and cast us in the Flash? Say, yep. Okay. That's what Can we get This is what This is what Can we get some toast said. He's he said uh he or she said cuz I don't know. Uh so Ezra's stuck on Batman and Robin's Clooney's Earth. Good fucking riddance. <laughs> oh, he's immediately frozen by Mr. Freeze, who's like, "Ice to see you." Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> no objections for me on that. I think it's I think it's hilarious if that's the way that it fucking ends, man. That's fucking. Crazy. I, and, and if it's not too much to ask, maybe maybe cast us a Barry Allen, who's I don't know, maybe a little bit more like Barry Allen in the comics, who's who's not just like a socially awkward goofball. It's like Barry Allen in the comics is like a legit scientist. Well, can't, hey, like, what, do we have to get Barry Allen again? Can we get a Wally West? Hey, Wally West would be fine, too. But mm-hmm. the, quite honestly, the, the personality that we had with this Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller flash is much more, more like Wally, Wally West. West. Yeah, I agree. Whereas more of kind of a, a, a lovable goofball. Yeah. Whereas Barry was much more of a, a, a tragic character that has a very clinical mind. Yeah. That, you know, much... I mean, he's one of the few other characters, uh, one of the few other heroes in the DC universe that Batman's like, you run a fucking tight ship and I like the way you do an investigation. I respect that. That's that's that, that's the way that Grant Gustin carried the play, uh, the character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Grant Gustin mm-hmm. was very he, he did play a very spot on Barry Allen in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Uh, check this out. Apparently, uh, this comes from critic Scott Menzel. He says, I normally don't post about scoops, but I know a few people who saw the original cut of the Flash movie. They all told me that the original cut was incredible. Also, Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, Henry Cavill, and Jason Momoa were all in the Flash original cut. Damn. So... I think we're still getting. I think we're still getting Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, of, of course, because we've seen shots of that. But it mm-hmm. sounds like to me that Gal and Henry, at least Gal and Henry, are out. See, I, don't I would be okay with them being at least in the first act, because the more connective tissue you can have between the Snyderverse and then whatever this movie is going to usher in by the end of it, the better. It is, the better it is for casual audiences. I mean, those of us that are into this more hardcore, we can we can understand what they're going to be doing. But for casual audiences, I think that if they can bring those characters in, all the better. Right, yeah. Especially if, if this is meant to be a, a final closing of the chapter on that Snyder and ushering in whatever the new James Gunn DC universe is going to be, then yeah, might as well just throw them all in there and give audiences a sense of closure, so that way they don't—they're not left trying to hold on to something going into the new universe. Yeah, I'm still with Jake though. I think he's right that uh, eventually he'll bring him back in like a big kind of like uh, multiverse event. Where is Jake? Is he showing up late or what? <laughs> 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 I need to call him. Where is he? Where is Jake? Yeah. 
He's a couple months late at this point. Yeah, Jake's. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, that's I all think I... that that's a good theory, though. I, yeah. I do think that, that, that it would be a smart move for them to try and get something done where they can bring these characters back again at some point in the future just for cameos in some big, huge crisis type movie. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's almost a certain. If they ever do yes. Crisis on Infinite Earths, there's some you can almost guarantee that they're going to reach out to those guys and see if they want to come back. Yeah, God, and for that regard, bring in Arrowverse characters too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would you know, be like, fucking really incredible. go all out. Yeah, like, make like Warner Brothers for once in your fucking lives with these DC movies. Make your fans happy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Give people what they want because. I'm sure fans would absolutely love to see whoever their new Superman is alongside Henry Cavill, alongside Brandon Routh, yeah. alongside um, um, your boy from Lois and from Superman and Lois. Tyler Hecklin. Yeah, yeah, Tyler, yeah. Dust them all off. Bring them all in. Yeah. That's all I got, guys. I'm fucking done. <laughs> Great place to wrap it. <laughs> God damn. Uh, Joe. Another episode in the can. Another episode, dude. I had a lot of fun with this one. This is episode what are we at? Four fifty six now? Oh, what do we got here? Four hundred and fifty six episodes. Jesus. That's what I put it is. my notes. Four fifty six. Four five six, Joe. It's <laughs> a lot of episodes of PCL, dude. It's a lot. God <laughs> damn it. Thank uh, you know. Uh, thank you to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to you, the listener. <laughs> thank, uh, thank you. you thank you, you people. You know who you are. You know you who you are. People you. Yeah, I'm doing like the fucking Jonah Hill, Michael Cyril. Sierra boop to the nose and super bad right now to our listeners. (laughs) 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 Ah, John, it's always nice having you on, man. Especially for the first part where you're like interactive. (laughs) (laughs) John's known to take naps on the the episode. (laughs) I mean, I, I think I would have been in contention for being the new leftover, but there would be too much sexual tension between me and Brian. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, my God. I accept your decision. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I just, you know, I just got to, you know, I have I had to, you know, I'm not sexually attracted to Joe. I had yeah, I, was, to, I was like I love you, but I'm not going to fuck you. Bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we that, that was something we established very early on, you know. There you know, I did re, I I you know, I originally wanted to, but you know, Joe was <laughs> like you. I mean, you've seen the bone structure in my face. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Joe, instead of climbing the fucking limestone walls in Iowa, how about you climb on it? And Joe was like, no. I was like, all right, fair enough. I think Mrs. Stark would like that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't give up hope, John. There's always a chance you could be a side hoe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the ring of side hoe. 
<laughs> oh man uh dre dude i i i'll tell you one thing man i always love having you on you have like you have you've consistently fucking impressed me with uh some of your uh some of your insight and then like uh I, there's some things that it's like i i've learned not to like ever doubt anything you've said because like there's been times where i'm like nah it's not gonna happen and then all of a sudden like dre just fucking uh, have you noticed that joe like dre is just like He's like locked into shit sometimes. And it's just oh, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I'm when the call started and I saw that it was John and Dre on this episode, I was like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun. And then my second thought was it's going to take so long to get through good. Podcasts. I know. God <laughs> damn. Oh my God. That's me. That's me, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's on you, buddy. <laughs> I know. I fucked that up. And now that's when you get me at the end. It's like John fucking falls asleep. And then I'm just like, I want to end this fucking shit as soon as we started the fucking news section. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, next is... time you send me a good pop, bad pop with nine things on it, I'll go, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many people did you get on this fucking episode, Brian? Huh? <laughs> Sure hope you got a round table of guests on this one, you motherfucker. We got to listen to everybody's fucking opinion. And all you're going to fucking do is talk about Will Smith smacking Chris Rock the fucking entire time and <laughs> calling back fucking Reese Witherspoon every fucking five minutes, stretching this episode out even fucking longer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, Dre, it's always great having you on, dude. And where can people find you, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on again. It's always great being on these episodes with y'all. It's always a blast every time. Um, anybody looking for me, you can find me on Discord in the PCL group. You can find me in the Leftover Army group. And you can also find me on my wrestling podcast that I am. Uh, now we have finally settled in on a permanent threesome for podcast championship wrestling, which is hosted by Wayne, myself, and our buddy Doyle where we have a upcoming episode where we will be reviewing the last pay-per-view that just took place in the WWE, which was uh, Elimination Chamber, and talking about all other things WWE, AEW related. So if you're a wrestling fan, check for that. Yeah, seriously, check out Podcast Championship Wrestling. Uh, fucking Wayne's on it, Dre's on it. I, I, who's Doyle? Doyle, he's... Uh, Andrew. No oh, Andrew the, Doyle. Uh, yeah, I know Andrew yeah, Doyle. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Doyle's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Doyle yep. rules. <laughs> yep, we are the three-man tag team running that show now. There you go. There you go. We're gonna let's, you, Joe, let's wrap this fucker up, man. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask me where I was going to be. John, you, you you know you're at my beck and call when I want you on these episodes. That's where you're gonna be. You're All crouching right? in the bushes outside Brian's window. We know where you are. <laughs> I don't I don't have anything to plug but my butthole. And that's how you end an episode, man. There's, there's, there's nothing we can do to top that. No, there's nothing. Knock, knock, who's there? I, who gives a fuck at this point? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. And until next week, we're putting a butt plug in it. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> 
See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.